0: And welcome back to the best wrestling podcast in the world, the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I, of course, am the guru of grappling. Remember that one, Rich?
2: That's an old school one. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that one.
0: Very old school. Joe Lanza here with the captain, Rich, back from Vacation (laughs) Creech. As we go through a bevy of different topics, of course, we have to talk about AEW's Fighter Fest We've got the G1 coming up this weekend. We had ROH, Best in the World, which we totally did not forget about last week.
2: No, totally. The entire plan, uh, 100% of the time, was for uh, it to be uh, recorded for the overrun on, on voice Uh The day after was 100% the plan from day one, and I'm glad we executed that plan uh, to perfection, Joe. So that was a great job out of both of us uh, to plan and execute something perfectly. So yeah, that definitely worked out well.
0: Always the plan all along. We also didn't. <laughs> We also didn't forget about the Evolve weekend last weekend either. That,
2: oh no, that... we just you know just there's so much going on, so much time that we had it on the sheet. It was it was going to be our number one topic, and then it just just kind of cut fallen down a little bit, and then it just yeah, unfortunately slips through the cracks. Wait, there was and, a, and, uh, there was really an Evolve weekend? That's impossible. I watched it. That's impossible. Well, talk well about I watched
0: it. Yeah. I watched there's one. I watched I watched Saturday. I didn't watch. Um, it, it was it was uh, it overlapped a bit with Fighter Fest. So at one point, and you may have seen me on the old Twitter machine timeline, Rich, I was live tweeting both shows at the same time, which got a bit hairy. Uh, Couldn't really pay full full attention to both, but I had the Evolve going on the laptop. I had the Fighter Fest going on the big screen, and I attempted to watch both at the same time. I was not able to focus, and it bothered me, so eventually I just laser-focused in, on the Fighter Fest and had the Evolve kinda on and in the background. But those are shows that really happened this weekend. And 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 the Saturday Evolve show, at least the one I saw, it was actually really good. But as you know, uh nobody pays attention to Evolve anymore. There's like zero buzz. But uh it was in front of another packed house at Laboom. Yeah,
2: I don't know who these people are. It's 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 a very It I'd is love the to weirdest dichotomy. Yeah, because I think like when we were a much, much smaller site, you know, years and years and years ago, Evolve was it. I mean, that was like the talk of the weekend. And here's, and this is even post DGUSA. This is even as Evolve, it's sort of, cause I mean, the DGUSA times, I mean, I know in our little bubble, that was huge. But, you know, when they were running those shows and, and the early Evolve shows, it was a big deal. But then, even like four or five years ago, even pre Flow Slam, before that, still WWE and live, like it was uh, everybody on the timeline kind of gathered around and watched evolve uh, on their weekend shots or whatever. And and now that we've grown bigger than ever and and follow more people and have more people that follow us and watch us and and, and do all this sort of stuff and, and and you know interact with us, nothing. You hear nothing, and it's like you would think based off the VOW buzzometer that'd be that these houses would be ten people, that'd it be fourteen people, and 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 the security guard or whatever that are only people attending these shows and then you walk at them and there's there's 500 people in the audience and 600 people like who are these people i don't know who they are because somehow it's gotten less buzz than ever like literally zero buzz and 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 even what's funny we kind of we'll we'll laugh about this too is that like we'll get reports from people that'll say that you know even on like torrent sites and 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 dirty you know pirate sites or whatever that like evolve's not even showing up on those anymore like people aren't even bothering to upload evolve shows onto torrents anymore so even if you want to steal these shows you still can't find them so you would assume that this is just like a dead like dead to rights company and then you go and watch these shows and there's like 500 people like who are these people they don't follow us that that i do know
0: preach doing a little uh jerry seinfeld here
2: who are these people (laughs) i just i i don't know who are they
0: it, it listen it's it's another victory lap for us because when they made the pivot to just embracing the wwe connection And we actually had Gabe Sapolsky on the show. We really laser focused on that topic for, what, two or three straight weeks? And one of our narratives that we were pushing forth during that two or three week period where we really hammered home that story was we suspected that that pivot to embracing the WWE relationship would run off sort of our bubble of fans – and, and people that that we associate with. But it would probably be better for the company in the long run, and they'd, they'd probably grow. It's sort of like, you know, they, they ran off the very few fans that they had in order to grow and add new fans. And that's exactly what has taken right. place. Because the, the outside, LaBoom always draws. But outside of LaBoom, Evolve couldn't draw shit. We all know that it was a running joke. You'd be lucky if there was, you know, a hundred people at a lot of these shows. But now every building Evolve goes to is packed with hot crowds. And Gabe was right. The WWE talent that he brings in, either for the signings or or, or to wrestle, um, they have they've drawn it. The plan has worked. The company does way better at the live gate now than it did before this pivot. But it unquestionably, they unquestionably ran off the former hardcore fan base that they did have. But to me, it was a move that was worth making because the old fan base was too small and unsustainable. And I'd rather have these packed houses. And Absolutely. we'll no, never... He'll and he'll never give up the numbers, and we'll never be privy to it. I'm willing to bet they're doing more eye pay per view buys too off of the WWE relationship. Because as you said, Rich, who are these people? That that's who they. I believe that those people are now. You know, I'm not suggesting they're doing tens of thousands of buys on their little WWN live, but you know, if they're if they're buying tickets and packing these buildings, why wouldn't they buy the eye pay per view? Yeah, so? I,
2: I, that'd be fascinating to know because I'd almost I if I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they're doing less IPay for you buys, but more live event attendance. Because hey, it's your chance to go see Adam Cole. Hey, it's your chance to go see Kyle O'Reilly. Hey, it's your, like I can get from a live event standpoint why that would be a little bit more appealing to me versus guy you know sitting at home watching it. Because maybe the shows don't peak uh, as as much as they did prior. But like I could see myself going there live if I'm a big NXT fan or whatever. I could see myself more so than than than. Throwing down, you know, twenty bucks or whatever on WWE Live to watch the show, but or you know, throwing twenty bucks or forty bucks or whatever the hell the price is to go see those guys live and do you know the signings and 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 that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I'd be fascinated to see those numbers. And like you said, it's 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 all moot because we're never going to know those numbers and they're never going to come up. But uh yeah, it is. It's 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 interesting. It's definitely a weird. Well, I look uh, at it this way.
0: Yeah. I look at it this way. If the promotion had less fans before, why would they be doing less pay per view buys now?
2: I, I just I, I wonder if. I feel like a lot of their what they're doing now seems to be strived for live event business. So more you, you so think it just
0: it strictly appeals to a live audience more so than? Kind of do,
2: yeah, I kind of do. And again, like I don't have any basis of that. I'm just sort of you know spitballing here. Is that it, it, it does seem like a lot of the drive, and you can read a lot of the. You know, the, the, the alerts, you know, I still obviously subscribe to the alerts and still kind of follow from afar. We make the joke of like, oh, geez, I don't know if all was going on this weekend. But like, you know, we still follow it, you know, you know, to, to some extent. And and a lot of it is come see and go see live. And like, it feels like there's a lot less Dota on live push, whereas that used to be a big push for Gabe. is go watch. us. We're streaming live. We're streaming live. We're streaming live. Like that sort of stuff. Now it, it feels a little bit more like, hey, we are coming to. X, you know, Melrose or whatever, and, and here's who we're bringing, and it's going to be Adam Cole, and he's going to be here, and Kyle Rez is going to be here. Like, I can tell even from the emails that it seems to be more of a live event strive than a, than a WWE or, or, or iPay Per View strive, for me at least. But again, that could be just me, and it's just me spitballing. I, I don't know exactly. I don't have any yeah. numbers or figures well, in front of me, but I, it, I, it feels that way.
0: I could see that. You're saying, okay, when these NXT wrestlers or, you know, WWE wrestlers come to your town, you know you'll go out and buy a ticket but it's not something you're going to sit inside and do on a saturday when they're halfway across the country is what you're saying
2: yeah exactly yeah i wonder if that is possibly the case that it's just it's a little bit more fun for people to go there live and see those guys versus okay great i can't wait to see roderick strong on this you know uh, evolve i pay per view whereas yeah i can go see roderick strong live and and, and get a you know have him sh- you know shake his hand and, and and do a meet and greet or whatever i could see that being a little bit more appealing
0: what I'm seeing now that I never saw before is just a sea of fans wearing NXT T-shirts in the crowd. Things yeah. like that. Um, you know, your undisputed era. Right now, they're pushing. You know, you know. First, it was the Street Profits and some of the. Uh, um, who else was there at that time? I know a couple of them didn't last more than a show or two, but Street Profits were were there for a bit. Now it's the undisputed era. That is on uh, basically every show, and it's just a sea of undisputed era shirts and Adam Cole shirts and Adam Cole baby chants, and, and the crowd just goes nuts when those guys come out.
2: Yeah, and, uh, sorry, not to not to cut you off, but I wanted to find out one of the uh, one of the recent emails, and I do remember this one. Yeah. So the, the headline of this is you know lots of top NXT superstars coming to evolve is the the headline here, which is <laughs> not the best headline, but. Um, <clears throat> It says here, NXT superstars to evolve. NXT champion Gargano, uh, uh, Johnny Gargano, Master Chamber, Matt Riddle, Drew Gulak, and Undisputed Errors, Roger Strong, Kylie O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish are headed to evolve in June and July. Click here to read the article on WWE.com or whatever. So we scroll down. It says, WN Red Hot Summer Schedule. The WN family will be busy this summer. Tickets and info are now available for all of these events at wwnlive.com Live.com slash events. Uh, then they list ACW, FIP, Shine, Evolve, Shine, 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 yada, yada, yada uh tickets are on sale for all these events if you can't be in person watch all the action on club wn live and WNLive.com live.com with description it's only 9.99 to watch all these live events uh so it's a little bit of a blend but it feels like a lot more of it you know at the last line of the entire thing is okay if you can't be here live then you can watch it here but it's that used to be really what to me for sort of drove the wn live business and drove the evolved business was hey we're streaming we're streaming we're streaming and yeah we're here live you know, as well. And and that might be Gabe sort of changing his mind in terms of what he thinks is important is that, hey, I can I can chase a thousand pay-per-view buys or whatever, or I can try to get 500, 600 people in the building buying merch, doing all this sort of stuff, and that maybe is more important to me than that. But yeah, reading some of these emails I'm kind of clicking through, you know, the streaming aspect is is towards the bottom now. It is very, very low towards that. And we know, obviously, that they're going on WWE Network, at least for the, the anniversary show, and that might be a pivot sort of to, to kind of get people not less used to WWE Live and more used to eventually what we assume might happen with them going on WWE Network, you know, yeah. potentially more.
0: So, drawn fans, more fans than ever in their history, they um, are getting a show on the WWE Network. I mean, at this point, anyone who thinks that pivot was a mistake is nuts. Regardless of what you... Even if you think the promotion is less interesting, which is fine. I mean, that's, you know, a subjective opinion. And you don't... If you're not interested in seeing Adam Cole and Tyler Breeze and and the Street Profits on your Evolve shows, I get it. But... As far as a business move, it was indisputably the right move. I mean, there was a good chance that the Volvo was going to go under. You know, He told us that privately. I don't remember if he said it on the podcast, but he may have even said it on the podcast. But, I mean, it was a good chance it was going to go under. That man was in a state of panic with what he was going to do with that promotion. And this essentially saved it. So, you know, now they're going to be on the network, and I'm sure that will lead to a little uptick in business, too, and, and visibility, and all those sorts of things. It would be interesting if they push WWN Live hard when they do that pay-per-view. And, you know, it's like I don't really understand why people think this is like such a – This is he, Gabe Sapolsky hardly the first person to take advantage of a relationship with WWE. There was probably three or four years in the mid-'90s where WWE was shuffling talent to Memphis on a regular basis, whether it was Owen Hart. Or Coco Beware or Vince McMahon himself. Uh, you know, so, you know, Jerry Lawler used to take advantage of that down in Memphis. Jim Cornette booked, you know, Shawn Michaels. He booked The Undertaker. Uh, so Smokey Mountain, when Cornette was on good terms with WWE, uh, would book main event level WWE talent to help draw on Smoky Mountain. Obviously, Paul Heyman, they sent him Al Snow to, like, uh, be repackaged. And and so it, it's like this is not some... Brackus. Un-
2: Remember Brackus? <laughs> yeah. Brief, I mean, brief Brackus run in ECW?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is not some unprecedented thing. I mean, you know, if, if Jim Cornette had an opportunity to get a hold of Shawn Michaels to wrestle Buddy Landell or to bring in The Undertaker and pop a house, why the fuck wouldn't you do it? I mean, oh, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make sense not to do it. I mean, so it's like this isn't anything new.
2: Yeah, or I think the most famous one, the Vince McMahon in Memphis – Run too, where Vince, for just like <laughs> almost no inexplicable reason, yeah. did his little heel run in Memphis, which is awesome. Like you know, he had the WWE guys invade Memphis. Like it made no fucking sense, really. Right. But it was like, hey, look, we need business from anywhere. You know, whatever, we'll we'll, we'll do what we can. And of course, Memphis is going to say, yeah, fuck yeah, we'll bring in. You know, have 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 Vince run as a heel character and do some stuff and bring in Taker. I think was was doing stuff. Shawn Michaels, I know, came in there in 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 in, in ninety ninety three. Right? Was was that year the uh, the.
0: Oh, oh in Memphis, I don't know. I know he wrestled Buddy Landell in 93 for Smoky Mountain. Um I don't know. I don't remember Michael's going to Memphis or what year it was or so I I don't know. But I know that Owen Hart went down there. Vince McMahon himself was down there and was, you know, didn't he win the Whatever the Memphis title was at that point, I don't know if he
2: did that. He I, was just kind of the heel authority figure, which was <laughs> kind of fascinating. It was a nice, it was a nice peek into like what eventually he would become. You know, down. I think you're right. Uh,
0: I don't, don't think he wrestled. Nineteen
2: eighty three was that, yeah. It was him versus you know Lawler, and then uh, it was yes. building towards the Lawler's match with Bret Hart at SummerSlam. So it was kind of a dual promotion thing here where it's like, hey, we'll help you pop some houses and then we're going to also build and, and hopefully get the Memphis crowd invested in you uh, working bread at, at, at SummerSlam. So uh, I think, oh, Tatanka defeated Tatanka. Tatanka in the USWA championship. Yes. So, yeah, I
0: mean, it was, it, you know, they would they would shuffle talent to Memphis uh, all the time in those days. So um, anyway, it, it's hardly unprecedented. I mean, for me personally, I find it interesting. I, I think it's interesting to watch people like Baba Tunde wrestle and evolve and, and 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 no pun intended watch them evolve and, and grow as performers see who sinks or swims some of that nxt talent really does well we talked about the street profits a million times some of them don't do as well um they've got sean Maluda down there now he just started this weekend and um you know he'll be on the uh, the 10th anniversary show on the network and all that so i don't know i find it interesting i i'm not put off by it i you know i i, I don't want to say I'm my interest level in evolve didn't dip or grow It's. I, I was interested in it evolved before they made the pivot and I'm still interested now. I don't yeah,
2: know. I, I think for, for me, my, my biggest thing is it's like, it's just different. You, you know what I mean? We'll talk about that a lot with ring of honor when we talk about uh, that is that it, it, it? for a lot of people, because it is the same company ran by the same people with the same logos, the same looks or whatever, that it, it, it sort of feels weird. But if it was this brand new company that was just working as a developmental territory, for WWE and kind of this, you know, you know, not necessarily NXT, but kind of sub NXT ish thing, not really the Flargo loop, but kind of this in between thing, which is essentially what it is. We talked about it at the time and 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 it's basically just kind of the double A now, or, 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 you know, whatever you want to, whatever slotting you want to put NXT in uh, to WWE, if that's triple A or wh- whatever it may be evolve is just the one step below it. And it, it's kind of fascinating, but I think for a lot of people, and I totally get it. We talked about it at the time too, is it's kind of a shock to the system, you know, Pun, not, not intended, but I guess it kind of works to just have it be like not what Evolve was before that. Now it feels like a feeder, it feels like a developmental territory, it feels like that sort of stuff. No matter what they call it, that's basically what it is, which is fine. It, it that, that's there's no problem in doing that, it's just for a lot of people it's not the evolved that they sort of grew to love and and that might be an issue. Like, again, like I said, if they just want clean slate and they just call it a completely different company and a completely different name, I don't think you'd have as many of a hurt feelings, but even those hurt feelings, they don't matter anymore. You know, there was, there was a week of hurt feelings and those people went away and now they're doing the biggest business they've ever done. So you
0: you, you hurt the feelings of a couple dozen people and you, you've created hundreds of new fans. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's playing out exactly how I suspected it would, but, um, but anyway, there's your random Evolve talk. Yes, of
2: course. With so many topics and in an in a, in abbreviated show, no doubt we would start, start with Evolve.
0: <laughs> that we weren't planning on doing. Hey, you got That's me right. going. I just I'm, mentioned sorry, you. I'm sorry. I, you, I just mentioned in passing that we did not forget about them last week. And, Absolutely not. And um, yeah, But listen, you know. Um, anyway, Rich, are you a – I got to ask you a question, Rich. Rich Krej, do you subscribe to Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling? Oh, I do.
2: Are you kidding? Day one subscriber right here.
0: So you were privy to the huge breaking news that we released earlier this week that the mystery network that Conan has been hinting about and has been whispered in on dark Twitter, but, uh, but no one has been able to reveal the mystery network that impact is, is rumored to be moving to is Axis TV. You heard that report. I
2: did. I did voice com slash Patreon. Glad I'm a subscriber.
0: That's right. On the, uh, $5 tier. Um, if you would like to hear the details of that uh, exclusive breaking news, patreon.com slash voice wrestling uh, $5 tier for the breaking news, $5 tier will open up everything we do. And this is the perfect month to jump in and subscribe because of course we kick off our G1 coverage. I do want to note, I don't know when I'm going to have the audio up for the Dallas show because I will be in Dallas covering the event. And it's about a three or four hour drive back home. And then the next day, I'm going to that uh, event in Caldwell. I, I, so that, that show, I don't know. Uh, we haven't worked out the details. That one might be up sometime between 24 or 48 hours at the end of the show. Anyone who has subscribed and listened to our tournament or daily tournament shows knows that we generally get them up within a few hours of the show being completed. You know, about less than eight hours, usually, from the show being completed. The Dallas show might be the aberration. I don't know when I'm going to be able to get to that. I'm going to try to get to it Sunday. We'll see. It'll be up Monday the latest. But we've got a few days before the tournament uh, gets going on the Japanese side. So it's not as if the audio won't be up before the second night. When is the second night? It's like
2: So the second July. night isn't until, yeah. So it's, it's it's interesting. We have, a you know, obviously we kick it off. Uh, day one, which we'll talk about here in a bit. This is not our, uh, the beginning of our, our preview. But uh, July 6th uh, kicks off, obviously, in Dallas. And then we have all the way until the 13th, until right. uh, the next show. So but plenty of time to kind of spread our wings and a little bit and calm down a bit before, uh, before things get going.
0: Yeah, so I might need about 48 hours to get that up. Uh, for the Dallas show. But uh, from that point forward, every tournament night uh, right through into the month of August, uh, you'll have those, those audio reviews up in a timely manner. They're the most comprehensive in-depth audio reviews you're going to get really anywhere in the world. Also in the month of July, we're going to have richest boys, of summer series looking at the main events from, uh, from past summer slams. Of course, the Thursday TV reviews, they're not going to stop during the G one because uh, I am insane. And I am going to find a way to find the time to do all of this. The Thursday TV reviews aren't going to stop. And then uh, who knows? There's always going to be random overruns when this show runs too long, uh, breaking news updates, and whatever else uh, we think of doing. $5 tier, will get all of it. There's going to be um, just uh, tons of hours of content, particularly in July and through August. So you're going to want to subscribe. Uh, there... A fraction of the listeners of this show are subscribers. The rest of you, shame on you! Every single one how of you, listening,
2: you, how dare you? How dare
0: you? Subscribing, you really should. Uh, you know, and and listen, if you were, uh, my life would certainly change if every single one of you listening would plunk down the five dollars a month. Uh, I'll tell you this: if every single person listening to this show. Goes and subscribes. And Rich, you're privy to the numbers that this show does, right? Yes, correct. Yes. So if every single person, uh, you know, we don't have to say the number. I'm going to get my little calculator out here. Okay, you do it with me. I am punching up what an average flagship does times $5. That is what we would make per month, Rich. Are you looking at that number? I am. That sounds pretty good.
2: Yes. I am into that number. I I like that number a lot.
0: (laughs) I got to tell you what. I wouldn't be punching the clock Monday. I don't know about you, but I'd be talking about wrestling for a living. If, uh, if that number on my screen right now is what we were pulling in. Absolutely.
2: From the- yes. Yeah. I would not um, be driving and telling you, Hey, I got to do this. I can't do this. I have to do the show at this time. And that's uh, yeah, no, we'd, uh, we'd have plenty more time to record, uh, audio. For
0: sure. Mr. Kreish, I'd be happy to split that one down the middle with you. <laughs> Thank I'm you. Yes. Me. I'd have, I'd have no problem <laughs> with that. Uh, <laughs> um, it'd make my taxes a lot trickier, but I'd figure it out. Um, anyway, Every one of you need to subscribe if you're going to jump in. This is the perfect month to do so. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. And, hey, listen, ask people who are subscribers. The G1 audio, the tournament audio is fantastic. Rich is getting rave reviews for his Boys of Summer gimmick. So uh, you're going to want to do that. Now, Rich, the official first topic of the show after we wasted 20 minutes talking about Evolve for some reason, we got to do this fighter fest. AEW Fighter Fest this past Saturday, second official show for AEW. Um, I'll give you the floor first for your just big picture. Wrap it up in a ball. Overall thoughts on the show itself.
2: Yeah. So my initial thoughts, and and I looked at it. The 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 thing that I looked forward to most with this Fighter Fest, and the thing I wanted to to most see from them with the show was a the follow-up to, to double or nothing, of course, you know, in ring and 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 storyline-wise and all that sort of stuff, and the culmination of stories and the continuation of stories and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I think one of the biggest things that I looked at, and we talked about it last week when you're previewing it, is how Br Live was going to be, how that app and that service was going to be, because I was a straight pay-per-view buyer. Uh, as you were for double or nothing, it just made a lot more sense for me just to do that and and, and buy the pay per view and just know peace of mind. Okay, whatever, I'm just going to do it on there. So, but this one being free on BR Live, I was like, all right, look, I have no excuse not to try this BR Live. I need to see how it works. I need to kind of see the functionality. And I was shocked. I was shocked at a how easy it was for me to sign up, which I got signed up right away. And I had told people, hey, you know, ne- you know, before the show gets started, kind of mess around a little bit because it's a little wonky in some places, and and it still is. Like it's still not available on every service that you probably would want it to be uh, available on. But I had to be. I, I gotta be honest. I was shocked at how good the stream was on my end. I mean, right when when it started, there was a little bit. Uh, of lag issues. And I'm like, Oh Jesus, here we go. And it was just during the pre-show. So I'm like, all right, whatever. But then I kind of got worried. Okay. That's just the pre-show. Once things start going, once a lot more starts getting on there. And once, you know, more and more people start getting on this thing, it's going to get worse. It's going to start buffering a lot more. It's going to start lagging. And by the time the actual show, the, the real business end of the show started, it was perfect, and it was perfect the entire way through. So I was shocked by that, and I was really surprised and 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 excited about it because it's, now it's like, okay, cool. BR Live is a viable platform at least for now because you know, judging by the buzz and judging by the amount of people that I thought were watching the show and it seemingly were watching the show, BR Live held up pretty well. And and I think that's a, a, a testament to them, and it's a testament, you know, I, I didn't use fight, so I don't, I'm not sure how the fight uh, stream was, but the BR Live stream was awesome. So for me, two thumbs up in that sense, where it's like, all right, cool, this is a viable platform. Nothing too, we had a few people asking us questions about, you know, what do you think about Fighter Fest and now Fight for the Fallen, which is coming up in a few weeks? You know, what do you think about those being for free on BR Live? And and, and I'm down, and, and I know you, you and I kind of had the same thoughts here. I'm 100% down for that because I think what you're trying to do is not necessarily get every dime out of everybody right now. And, and this is kind of my argument with the Double or Nothing show. Uh, as well, what you're trying to do more than anything is a get people sort of invested in AEW. Hey, this is what we do. Watch our shows. Here's what we're on. Here's what we're all about. And more than anything, get people used to be our live. Show that, hey, this is how you send it to the app. This is how you get loaded. Build that email list, build a list of of, of customers and then also build customer confidence where people now like myself. Use BR Live and go. Hey, this thing actually works pretty well. Oh, geez, I've never used this before. You know, I know it was a disaster during the Mickelson, you know, Tiger thing a few years ago, and that sort of gave it, you know, this 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 scarlet letter, or whatever. But now it's 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 good. It's it's a little bit more refined, and it, it, it the functionality is great. So. You know, now you have two shows to sort of show people, hey, look, no, BR Live is a viable platform. So in the future, if you want to use BR Live instead of pay-per-view or or whatever, and that's going to be what they want, AEW. They're going to get 100% of those. TNT, Turner is going to get 100% of the profits, you know, from a BR Live. So that's obviously where they want to steer you eventually while still providing the pay-per-view option. So I think that two thumbs up in terms of the distribution uh, on BR Live. Uh, and the show itself, we'll talk about the pre-show. The pre-show is another fucking disaster, and that needs to get buried so goddamn ah, got, hard. Hold on. In yeah. hold on,
0: hold on. I'm gonna okay. Before you start talking about the matches, you touched on. Let me comment on a few of those aspects, and then we'll get into the show itself. Because I was I was kind I was gonna do it backwards, but I'm glad you did it this way. So yeah, as far as the distribution goes, I can tell you that I did not have a BR Live account before this show, and now I do. And I would suspect that okay, if a hundred thousand people bought the Double or Nothing pay per view, and let's just conservatively say that a few tens of thousands of others didn't want to plunk down money for the pay-per-view, but are interested in AEW. I mean, you start running math through your head and thinking about how many more people at this point now have a BR Live account. Tony Khan can go back to Turner and say, eh, you see that? Now there's 70,000 more people that you right. have the email address or whatever. I, I think it's probably more than that, honestly. If 100,000 people were willing to pay for AEW, how many were willing to watch it for free? So whatever the number is, now BR Live has X amount of – a significant amount of people in their database. And also from the other – from the AEW side of it, now you're already signed into the site. So when they do start charging for shows on the site, it's one less step to – Dissuade you from going through. You're going to, I got to sign up for a site. No, you already have. You have an account. Now all you need to do is log into your account and press buy this show. They've, they've, it, it was very smart because now we've all skipped that initial step because I am super lazy. And I will tell you that when something is on a new platform that I got to sign up for, that's enough to dissuade me sometimes. I'm like, ah, oh, I got to create an account, fill out all kinds of information. That's done. So when they start charging for shows, it's a lot easier for me to just go on my Roku or my Fire Stick app, whatever the case may be, log into the little app, press buy, and I'm all set. So now they've made it more convenient for when they start charging for shows, and they've showed Turner, look, X amount of people are now signed up to your service. So now you can spam them with emails and try to sell them Tiger Woods versus Phil Mickelson or whatever the hell else that you're showing on this thing. Okay, so, yes, the distribution was brilliant. Absolutely the right play to to give this away for free. Um, Absolutely the right play to give the next one away for free, especially since it's a charity show and the optics of that and all that. I mean, I suppose you could have charged and give that money to charity, too. But this is the right play. Just give them away for free and and keep getting more eyeballs on it now as we build up to the TV. You already got $50 out of 100,000 of us for your big your big time, what are they going to do, four times a year? They're going to do the big time pay-per-views, and that was their mm-hmm. first one. I get it, okay? You're not going to get all out for free, okay? They're going to charge you $50 again for that one or whatever you know it's going to be. But these shows here, as we lead up to the TV, absolutely the right move from every angle. I agree with you. As far as the feed, I'm with you. I had no problems with it. Didn't see any complaints in real time. About the feed either, which tells me that it went off well. Now, when I talked about the feed on Twitter, I did get some people saying, "Ah, well, it sucked for me to earn this match and that match." That's your internet, okay? Because if there were major problems with this, we would know. (laughs) Everybody would know real time. That's the thing when, whether it's WWE Network or this or New Japan World or whatever else, when you're getting a buffering wheel and nobody else is complaining about it, that's your internet. And sometimes. People just don't want to admit that or face that. Everybody has different internet speeds. I live out in the sticks. When I first moved here, I had one ISP option, and the speed was mediocre. And Rich, remember trying to do podcasts? I
2: do, five? yes. <laughs> I am well aware of your internet issues, yes.
0: And it was terrible. And then a couple <laughs> years later, because, listen, when I moved into my street in 2009, it was one brand new street of houses. There was maybe 25 on each side maybe 50 houses in this neighborhood, all freshly built. I bought one of them out in the middle of nowhere. They didn't have any options for a lot of things. Okay. As the neighborhood grew, as College Station grows sort of in a southward direction, all of a sudden we had options. And now I have the fastest fucking internet money could buy. And we don't have any more problems doing the podcast. I don't have any more problems streaming things. But a lot of people in this country. I mean if you don't have access to super high-speed internet, you can have problems streaming things. If your internet is just choppy that day, you're going to have problems streaming things. If you have 19 people in the house streaming things all at once, you're going to have problems streaming things. Rich, even people's internet setups, as you know, Rich, because you're kind of up on this. I have different internet speed depending on the room I'm in. Just because of where the router is and, and, you know, how many walls it's behind and everything else. So it's like if, if I'm set up right next to my router, I've got super fast speed. You know, in, 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 some, in, in a couple of the bedrooms, shit doesn't work as well because it, it I'm further away from the signal. And people don't ever consider that kind of stuff. And they just instantly want to blame, you know, the uh, the service. You know, it's, it's not the WWE. The WWE Network has never failed me, ever since i've had decent internet it it works like a charm but you still see people cursing the WWE Network because their internet sucks right right right
2: yeah that, literally from the moment WWE Network launched I think it's been perfect for me I've never I've, I've one never time had, had an it. issue maybe but yeah it's been fucking perfect since, since the opening
0: and, and a lot of people don't know you can call your ISP and you might not even have the fastest speed they're no, offering no you
2: probably don't and you're probably using the wrong router too you're probably using the wrong modem like you're probably hooking it up wrong you're not hardwiring in the right places your walls are a mess like there's yeah there, there's a a thousand different ways, and yeah, sometimes I even recently called. And they're like, "Oh, why aren't you on like da 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 plus?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I am I not?" They're like, "All right, now you are." And yeah, my internet's been a lot better since then. So.
0: Let me tell you something. I don't know about you, but mine calls me like every six months to try to sell me some bullshit I don't want.
2: Yeah, yeah. We talked about that a few weeks on the, uh, ago on the show. I try to get you know they try to they, they want me to get security and phone, and I'm like, Nah, no, I'm not about that.
0: Every time they call me, I say, "Oh, well, I've got you on the line. Do I have the fastest internet money can buy?" And most of the time, they say, "Yeah." But sometimes they say no, and that's when I say, "All right, come out and give me that." That's what I want, you know. So call them and ask them. A lot of times you don't even know. Now you're gonna pay more, you know. You're not gonna pay a million dollars. Usually, it's like each tier is like twenty bucks or something. Usually, more a month, you know. It's like, but a lot of times people aren't even maximizing their internet speed. And yeah, like you just said, there's the setup matters and whether you're hardwired and how far from the router you are. So anyway, the point here. Is I don't believe that this stream had any significant issues because I didn't see any kind of widespread complaints. But uh, Rich, what did you think about the wrestling uh, part of the show?
2: So the re- – <laughs> like that. I like the distinction there. Uh, I assume the wrestling part of the show is not the pre-show or is that part all of right, the wrestling listen. show?
0: Go ahead and st- – all right. Why don't we do that? Okay. Let's bury the pre-show and get that out of the way. I know we have the same complaints – you have the floor first. All
2: right. It fucking sucks. All right. So the the, <laughs> the three-way tag match, I enjoyed. It was Best Friends, Silk Allen Center for Private Party. Private Party was awesome. Uh, I think uh, one of the Bucks said that when they came to the back, they basically got contracts uh, from them. I don't know if that was symbolic or just kind of gesturing or whatever, but regardless, those guys were awesome. Uh, best Friends are what they are. Silk and Center was good. Nothing wrong, wrong with that. 16 minutes. The action was hot. I was like, here we go. This is feeling good. The pre-show's back. They've realized how to kind of fix things. And then <laughs> the rest of the pre-show happened. Allie, Leva Bates, the librarians. Joe, I was in the room with the nurse and my friend Dan. And my friend Dan is a mostly WWE guy, but he's invested in AEW. He's, he's all about this AEW. He, he, has, he has decided that this is what he's going to hitch his wagon to. He has, he has usually been just ardent WWE guy. Like, I've tried to get him in New Japan. I've tried to get him in Ring of Honor. Tried to, it, it has never worked. He has given AEW a chance. He just looks at me as this is going on and goes, What the fuck is this shit? Yeah. And I have the nurse saying, This is so stupid. Why is this on TV? And I have to, and it's one of those things where they want me to defend it. And I have to, and, and you always talk about this too. There's nothing worse than being in the room with somebody when something so shitty happens and they look to you to say, Hey, why is this happening? Or, hey, what's the good in this? And it's like, especially with this librarian shit, I have just have to say, I don't know. I know. It fucking sucks. It fucking sucks. It's terrible. I know. So then I get the the match starts and the nurse goes, that one girl really sucks at wrestling, doesn't she? She's talking about Leva Bates. Yeah. And I said, yes. <laughs> and then she proceeded to point out, which is another funny thing to point out, every time that she thought she was doing something wrong. She went. Oh wait. Well, she was nowhere near on that kick. Or oh wait, she was like five feet away on there. Well, it's, you know, she's running really weird and all sorts. And she keeps asking me, "Well, why is she bad?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I know she's bad. Like, I agree. You are saying the same things I am saying." But it's just, it's so funny to be in the room there. And this was about four minutes in because this match went about eight or nine minutes, I think. A few minutes in, they were the phones were getting grabbed, and they were just scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through Twitter and doing all that bullshit. And I was like, Man, there are people watching this that aren't in the room with somebody who's hardcore like me that are watching this and going, What the fuck is this shit? And no, I'm not gonna watch any more of this. This this librarian stuff is so awful, it's so cringy. Nobody cares. Leva Bates is terrible. Peter Avalon is fine, this is a terrible role for him. This is not working, and it has to go away as quickly as possible.
0: Um, my wife was in the room for Nakazawa doing the baby oil.
2: Oh.
0: And, but you can't even defend it. I mean...
2: I, and- I, I prefaced that one. Before that match even started, I said, guys, this one's going to be zany and that guy's going to rub himself in baby oil. Just so you know. This one guy's not a wrestler and this other guy's going to be involved in baby oil. And they just went, oh, okay. And they just looked at their phones the entire time. They didn't care anymore. They 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 were completely disassociated with the rest of this pre-show.
0: And it just it makes... Us look like goofs. Like, why do you invest in, like, so <laughs> much? Right. Why?
2: why are you watching this? It's like, just fucking
0: garbage. It's 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 juvenile, infantile shit. But more importantly, Rich, it's like last time the pre show was the their first chance to make a first impression on people on the fence. And I don't care what anybody says, they lost pay per view buys because of that pre show. This pre show I've heard people make the argument well. If you were watching that, you already signed up for BR Live and you probably watched the whole event anyway. But they were showing this pre-show on a million different YouTube feeds, whether it was Turner or wherever else they were showing it, to try to entice people into signing up to BR Live to watch the rest of the show for free. And if your, how many your friend Dan's and nurse's and TLBs were out there that saw this utter shit and hand waved it and moved on with their night and did something else. That's the concern here. Okay. There's no doubt in my mind that if you were a fence sitting, and I know this sounds like a broken record for double or nothing, and I'm going to do it every fucking time.
2: No, until they d- scrap this shit, <laughs> we're going to do fix it. it. So.
0: Okay. If you were a fence sitting casual or a fence sitting lapsed fan, who listens to Cornette's podcast and said, you know what? I got nothing going on Saturday. I missed wrestling. Let me check out this pre-show for the AEW that's getting all the hype. And you saw fucking Peter Avalon shushing the crowd and Nakazawa with his baby oil. I'm sorry. You're not signing up to be our live and even giving the rest of the show a chance. Why on earth have the librarians, gotten more total screen time on the two pre-shows than Kenny Omega, Moxley, the Young Bucks, Cody combined. Jericho, those five should be all over your pre-shows. I should be getting promos from any one of those guys. Why was there not a seven-minute Moxley promo on that pre-show, putting over his match with Janela, followed by a Janela promo? Followed by the Young Bucks talking about their feud with the Lucha Bros. Followed by the Lucha Bros giving a Spanish language promo talking about their feud with the Young Bucks. Why are we not getting those things? That might entice some people, but instead we're getting this utter trash, which even the AEW live crowd which wants to like everything
2: Yes, going out of their way and and that's people people see that as a negative too and I'm glad you brought that up people see it as like ah this crowd just wants to like stuff that's if you are a wrestling promotion that's the fucking object is to have fans that go to your shows and say I hope that they give me the best show possible like I love this negative ah these fans don't like anything you give to them no they won't like everything you give them because they didn't like the librarian shit but they go to these shows not actively assuming that you're going to fuck them over and give them shit that's why WWE fans go to shows and boo and and chant CM Punk and all this shit because years and years and years of, of just being shit on versus AEW fans who go to these shows going, okay, I want this to succeed. I want to be entertained. There's a big difference there. And it's an understanding of, of they haven't fucked you over. They haven't thrown shit in your face and said, Hey, just eat it. Whatever. Who cares? They haven't done that. But with this librarian stuff, you're right. They don't, there's a a pin drop during this stuff and they're cheering everything. These guys want everybody in that crowd wants so badly for AEW to succeed and be good. But they can't even—they can't even feign interest. They can't even try to lie to themselves with this librarian shit.
0: They can't, and they're too polite to boo it. Because we're still in the stage where it's a big party, and they want to like everything, and everything else is over, with the exception of one other thing we'll get to. But the librarian—they're they, too polite to boo it. It's not over. Nobody likes it. No one thinks it's amusing, and—and and this is what we're getting on two consecutive pre-shows. This is what they're giving us instead of the stars. I don't get it. And and the Nakazawa, Jabali thing, look, I said it last week. You said it last week. It should have been a dark match. I have no problem with that if it's a dark match. And here's the thing. It wasn't that bad for a non-wrestler. And- no,
2: I, I was going to say, you know, as stupid as it was and how I had to, like, preface it, in terms of, like, a guy that's not a wrestler and a guy that's a comedy wrestler, I, I kind of enjoyed it. There were some aspects that I enjoyed. It was but it's funny at times, but that's not but really what I want. But it's not
0: what I want to tell people my products. Right. Exactly. And the people who are going to enjoy that, you won them over already. It should have been a dark match for the live crowd. The three way tag—that's the shit you need on these pre. You give me that three way tag, which I thought was a notebook. I thought it was a four star match with all of that action and how and how they got the private party over in one match. It achieved its objective. It was a hot match, had a hot crowd, awesome spot fest. You give me that, a bunch of promos from your stars, and then something like Guvera vs. Sabian from the first pre That's a pre show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to get people to sign up for BR Live and say, oh, I want to see more of this. Nobody wanted to see more of that other shit. And this is my conclusion now, Rich, when it comes to the pre shows. Okay? This is my conclusion. Because I think the people in that company. Are way too smart to think that this shit is a good idea so the conclusion I have reached is that they do not view the pre-shows as a sales pitch the way that we are critiquing it in other words I don't think they think the purpose of the pre-show is to entice people to buy their shows or to watch their shows I think they think the pre-show serves some other purpose I think they're wrong I think that's the wrong tact to take when it comes to the pre-shows. I think they absolutely should use the pre-shows to try to entice new fans. But I don't think they do. And the reason I don't think they do is because I don't think they're that fucking stupid. I don't think Tony Khan is that fucking stupid. Okay, I don't think the people in that room are stupid. And I think they have to be smarter than that to think that any of this shit is going to get people interested in their
2: show. Right, right. I think they think that the road to, uh, to X or whatever, and 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 largely being the elite, that those are their sort of hooks. That hey, if if we haven't gotten you through those videos and you're not going to watch, then then forget it or whatever. Which I again.
0: And let me be clear. I think they're wrong.
2: Yeah, I do too.
0: That's the kind of shit the hardcore's are going to watch. You're not going to get some lapsed fan to go seek out your road to fighter fest videos. You're going to get them with the pre-show. This is a big mistake, the way they're doing this. I am stunned. I cannot believe how terrible these pre-shows are. It blows my mind how bad they are because I know they're smarter than that. And and the thing is, these pre-shows are not an accurate reflection of, the, of their product because then their shows happen and their shows fucking
2: rule right the opening is fucking shima and christopher daniels you know what i mean and then like everything after that is awesome but it's like it it is yeah it's unbelievable it's i I just can't wrap my head around it. it it's it's two straight shows now and it's it's just got me i don't know it's got me so worried that that I don't know. I mean, I, and I hope this doesn't bleed over. And, and I know a lot of people are saying, oh, geez, what's the TV going to be like? I, I don't know. And, and, and I remember I did a QA after Double or Nothing. and People said, well, what do you make of the pre show? And is the pre, is, is, you know, the TV going to be more like the pre show or the main show? And I'm like, I don't fucking know. I don't know what the end of the day, what this is going to be.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because that's more damage that these pre shows are doing because now people are afraid that this. Right. Could- TV is going to be, and I,
2: there was multiple questions about that. Like, hey, is this, if this is the TV, then eh, I don't know. I'm not that into it. Like, I like this, but I don't like that, and I get it. Like the, the people that listen to this show, I cannot imagine any of them saw this pre-show and went, "Oh, here we go." Other than, uh, and we should again preface, and you said it, the three-way tag is awesome. That was great. Sammy Guevara and and, and Kip Sabian on the first show, awesome. That sounds fine. The other stuff is just it, it's. And if that is what the TV is going to be, then we're in. You know, they're going to be in some trouble, I think, because people don't want that. People, I, I don't think a lot, and we can see from the live crowds too. These live crowds don't like it. The the buzzometer. I mean, there is nobody enjoying this librarian shit. There's nobody enjoying these comedy crap uh, that's on this pre-show, and 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 the people that are enjoying it. It's not. I don't think. I I, I don't think it's representative of a larger audience. I, I think this larger audience, and you can tell from the crowd reactions. You can tell from what happens when the wrestling, the really good stuff happens on these shows, and people absolutely love it. There's just, yeah, it, it, it's just an utter waste of time. And like you said, the idea that the librarians, that Leva Bates has had more time on these pre-shows than, than Kenny, the Bucks, Cody, Moxley, Janella, and Jericho combined is just, it's mind-boggling.
0: Do you think, what do you think of this theory? What do you think of the, and I've made the, I think I've made this analogy once before, but uh, the real world on MTV, One, you know, the during the opening credits, they say when people stop being polite, right? Start then, getting real. Start getting real. Do you think we're still, is there anything to the theory that we're still in the, we're all being polite to each other stage when it comes to AEW and uh, we're still in awe of what we're accomplishing? And uh, in other words, let me frame it this way. You can clearly see with Cody's stuff, there is, it's nothing but nods to the old school. Uh, Blade jobs where where his brother is bleeding, the old proverbial crimson mask an old throwback, old-school fucking war. Uh, He's doing chair shots to the head on this show, which we'll get to. Clearly, the lights-out stipulation in the main event was all Cody since it was in Florida and a nod to his father and all that. So you've got Cody pitching all this old-school stuff, and then whoever the fuck is pitching the librarian stuff, let's just, for the sake of argument, say fucking Nick Jackson. I have no clue, okay? You think at some point... Cody goes up to Nick Jackson and says, Nick, what the fuck are we doing here? Or do you think that, um, you know, it, it, it is a collective and, and things, are, it seems to me, I feel like, like look at Jabali, that's clearly a Kenny thing. Putting that through. It's just two pals, Nakazawa and Jabali. You know? So you think we're at a stage where nobody wants to go up to Kenny in the meeting room and say, listen, we're putting that as a dark match. Because, Or do you think that this will continue moving forward. Do you kind of see what I'm getting at here? Where- I do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think TV is going to be what's really decides that is when everybody has to sit in a room and say, okay, what we have an hour this week, what are we putting out? Cause right now they got a little bit of time. As you said, everyone's kind of able to carve out their own little niche here. And, and and maybe it is Kenny or whatever. That's, that's doing some of the pre-show stuff. And like Nick, who really likes librarians again, is all sort of, and, and, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll give everybody their stuff. But then when you only have an hour, and it's every single week, and we got eyeballs, and we're really trying to get this thing ramped up, and TNT's looking at the ratings and all this sort of stuff, that's when push comes to shove. And there might be someone where Nick says, hey, uh, I want the librarians in segment three, and everybody goes, no, man, fuck the li- That We're not doing the library. Like, it, it, I think TV is going to be when that all sort of shows up. I think right now the, the shows is everybody kind of gets their own footing, gets an idea of what's going on, gets the sort of, hey, all for one and one for all type thing. But once the TV starts getting ramped up, I think then you can't do that anymore. Then it's like, all right, no, 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 no. We all got to sit down. And we have to decide what's the best for this company because right now there's some. I, I feel like everyone's kind of trying their own little stuff here and there, which is good. That's what a, a new company should do. But man, TV's starting soon, and 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 you can't fail. You know what I mean? TNT, you cannot go there and shit the bed. So it, it's it's going to be a reckoning, I think, for for a lot of stuff. I'm I'm fascinated to see if Fight for the Fallen has similar sort of stupid pre show stuff too, because then I'm really really worried.
0: So I think the librarians are a perfect test case to see if they're willing to drop something if it isn't working. Because it isn't working. And if I were Tony Khan, if I'm the final decision maker after that show and that embarrassment, I would have said to whoever's idea that was, we are aborting this mission. It's over. We can repackage them if you want. We can write them off, but we're going to do it on uh, being the elite. I'm not writing them off. on my. They're never being... They would never be on my television ever again, if I was running that show. I'd say, and if you want to write them off, you do it on your goofy little YouTube thing. That's fine. And we can keep them employed if we want to repack. Listen, I think Peter Avalon can, can be of service. Oh, for sure. Okay. I don't think he's a main eventer. I don't think I'd ever push him. But if you want to tell me that Peter Avalon can be like a prelim guy or put people over on TV or be like an, you have some kind of
2: I could see him um, in a, a, a managerial role too, if you want to just you know, a, a talking piece or a guy that comes out and cheats with somebody like a heel manager. I could see that working for sure.
0: Good talker, okay. He 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 knows what he's doing. It, you know, you want to have him put people over on TV every week or give him a little manager game. Listen, there, I can find a way to utilize Peter Avalon, Leva Bates. I, have,
2: I, would, to, I, I would. I would tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for it. your service. We are. We are going to move on for right now.
0: But I'll, so. I'll be fair. I have no use for her. But if 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 they want to use her in a prelim capacity, the way WWE used her, I I, I can live with that too. Okay, because that's essentially what they are now. They're just a prelim act. It's just a very bad prelim act that I think is driving people away. So it's not like they're they're pushing these people. I mean, I
2: don't, I don't think it's the act with Leva, though. I'll I'll be honest there. I
0: agree, but I was being charitable. Just, I know she's
2: a horrendous wrestler. So listen, I, I have no she's use. Very to her. nice to people on Twitter, though. So I get it. You get to, but no, we could. I we wouldn't could, employ her, but no.
0: But here's the thing: if this wasn't an AEW and this was some indie company, and you put on this pre-show, Rich, would you have watched the rest of the show? God no. Then that's all it needs to be said. But um. Look, the three-way rules. Can we bury the Dark Order now? Because- oh yeah.
2: Speaking of things that aren't working and need to be dropped immediately, uh, yeah, I, I, I understand why you want to keep going with the Dark Order, and, and but you gotta—the next step of the Dark Order has to be some sort of semblance of okay, what is this? Why is it happening? Because two times in a row now they've done the mystery stuff, and nobody fucking cares. There's no, there's no intrigue. The crowd's just kind of like, ugh. All right, here we go. Yeah, Dark. Or-. It's not working. And, this, I, and, and I don't know what time- I don't know what the next step is. I don't know what it is, but this isn't working.
0: And this time you can't blame the fact that no one knew what was going on or who they were because they were already introduced to this on the
2: preview. right. The second the lights went out, everybody knew who it was and went. Uh, all and right. this
0: time, <laughs> it's just no one cared. So the Dark Order and the Librarians are two things that decidedly are not working now. The Dark Order as a tag team, I, I, if it were me, I continue on. I think they're talented guys and all that, but I drop all of this hokiness surrounding them. I just, I no more minions. They're just a fucking tag team. They could have those dark aspects if you want, uh, but the minions and the lights going out, that stuff's got to stop because it's not working. And these are great test cases to see if they are willing to admit that some of this shit isn't working and just pivot away from it. So uh, that sucks. The librarians suck. Pre-show was an absolute disaster again to the point where, Rich, we should really be on here talking about private party. But what are we wasting our time doing?
2: Yeah. Talk about the librarians and, and, and Nakazawa and the dark order and stuff, yeah, and it stinks.
0: It's because it all stinks. And private party, very quickly we'll move on to the to the main show. Uh, I think the big key, I think everyone agrees that they look phenomenal and they have a potential star act on their hands. I think we could all agree on that. Well, maybe we don't, I haven't heard you. do
2: you percent. No, yeah, no, okay. absolutely. I, I thought I said it at the beginning, but yeah, they were, they were incredible. They were everything that you want out of a pre-show where, where they just jump off the board. I mean, just awesome match. And, and yeah, you couldn't deny that after that match, that they were the stars of that match and that they were guys that needed to be there, uh, full-time, uh, long-term for sure.
0: And there's buzz and people want to see more of them that match accomplished exactly what it needed to accomplish that's why i had no problem with them losing did you have a problem with them losing? no
2: not at all no no i mean best friends are obviously the better team of, of those guys and and it's one of those matches where it, the wins and losses don't always they, they matter i don't want to say they don't matter and, and and you know and there's there most people listening know what i mean sometimes, you that losing is what you're saying exactly right. sometimes it's okay if you don't win a match like it, you do enough in the match that that's impressive that, that that stands out, that, that makes people take notice, and that's what they did in this match. It did not matter. I mean, I don't think anybody remembers or is going to remember two months down the line that they lost the three-way tag match for an opportunity at an opportunity at an opportunity for a championship opportunity. No one's going to care about that, but you know, in this moment right now, all we thought about was the private party, and they're just going to remember them, you know, being what they were and, and, and having that great, you know, opener. So, no, I don't think it really matters all that much uh, who won and lost this one, especially since it's only just to get into the tournament. They'll probably be in the tournament regardless. So
0: All that matters is that they got over and they yeah, did. Exactly. And, and, and that's going to be a kind of a theme with some of these other matches, too, where I really believe, listen, we're two shows in. I believe the established stars should be winning all of the matches. I know some people disagree with that, and I'm curious to see what you think. It seems like you agree on this one um, because, uh, for the reasons we just laid out, but um, I think there's a couple more instances of that that we can talk about as we go through the show. So let's start at the top. Shima defeats Christopher Daniels. Um, My quick and only thought on this is – well, I have more, but my my, my first initial thought is this was um, the epitome of a – well-worked match between two veterans who weren't trying to have a great match. Um, and I'm going to go on another star, a little mini star rating rant. And then I'm going to hand you the floor to talk about this one. Um, this is an example of a, of a good three star match, right? And this is the problem with the star rating system, because let's say that John Moxley, Joey Janella was a three star match. Same rating. That's a bad three-star match because if you're in the main event and you're getting 20 minutes and you're having a plunder match, it's like you'd give that three stars if you didn't like it. Whereas in this match, they did everything they set out to do in this match. Mission accomplished. And because you do like it, you're giving it three. But you can't go over three because the dumb star scale is set where five is a match of the year contender style match you understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, so there's two different kinds of three-star matches. Like this is a perfect three-star match because this is all they were. They did exactly what they were trying to do. They went out there for 10 minutes. They kicked out of each other's secondary finishers. Right. And then Shima won the match with by establishing the Meteora as his primary finisher. The work was solid as fuck. Uh, the, you know, the, 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 match was over with the fans They they, they did everything they set out to do. The goal was to go out there and have a good little three star match, and that's what they did. And that's why I struggle with star ratings sometimes, because you can give two matches the same exact rating, and one is a failure and one is a success. What did you think of Shima versus Christopher Daniels?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right with you too. I, I was at three stars with this one, and it was in the moment a little disappointing because I had really high hopes for them, but when it was it was one of those weird things where the match ended and I was just like, ah, all right. That didn't quite live up to kind of what I thought it was going to be, but man, that was solid as fuck. Like that's exactly probably what it needed to be as the opener of this show in terms of, of not blowing the doors off and not being this incredible. Oh my God, I can't believe they, they went out there and did everything they possibly could. And, and, and and had, you know, the match of the night as the first match or whatever. I mean, there's, there's a way to go about that. Like you can be a show where everybody goes out there and tries to, to, to top the next match after, or (laughs) sorry, what was that?
0: PWG is what you're describing. Yeah, right,
2: right. The opener of PWG is going to be like, those guys go to have the best match of the night, and then the next guy goes, all right, fuck, I guess we got to top those guys and top those guys and top those guys. Yeah, and that's fine. Like I like shows like that. That's pretty fun, but I like the idea also of AEW sort of establishing that no, no, that's not exactly what we're going to be with these pay-per-views. We're going to give you solid as fuck wrestling. Like I am never going to complain about a match like this. This is perfectly fine. It, it was timed a little under 10 minutes. As you said, Shima definitively won the match. He put Daniels away with his finisher, so it establishes that Shima's in the hierarchy a little bit higher than Daniel's right now or that Sheamus, you know, whatever he is and, 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 and kind of definitively got that win. And that's important, too, and it's important that as well that it wasn't a bunch of kickouts and it wasn't 20 minutes and it wasn't this exhaustive thing or whatever. Do I like that in my wrestling? I absolutely do, but I like, too – just matches that are solid and just matches that you know that, hey, I'm going to get good, clean wrestling. And at the end of the day, I'm going to know who won and I'm going to know who lost and I'm going to know why that guy won and I'm going to know why that guy lost. And that that is kind of cool and it's kind of refreshing too uh, from a company to see that as well. So I can't complain all that much. This isn't like it, it shit the bed. It did disappoint me a little bit because I did have super high hopes, but when it was done, it's one of those things where I could be both disappointed and felt like it, it, it accomplished exactly what it needed to accomplish. And that's where I was with this one when it was over
0: this was two veteran wrestlers knowing their place on the card and working to that. And it's like, if Tanahashi and Okada go out there on Saturday and have a three-star match, we're all going to be mocking them and laughing and like, and being upset that we spent money on a ticket and, and it's a failure, but this is a three-star match. It just, that's what the star ratings fall apart for me. And, and it's like, I don't know. It, it bothers me, you know, and, and, and Shima won definitively, like you said, cause look, he's got, a money match coming up with Kenny Omega that's expected to sell tickets. So yeah, he needed to win the right guy. And
2: and that's the thing. I think we're going to have to unfortunately kind of rewire our heads. Is that like, dude, and it it happened with the opener or or, or double or nothing too when Jericho just beat Omega, he just beat him. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, we have to hardwire, you know, kind of rewire a little bit where it's like, Oh, guys are just going to win because they need to win because they need to establish that they need to win. And it was like, you know, it's good at, in in some ways that shima just beat him and that daniels didn't kick out of the meteor and and they went back and forth and back and forth and he had to hit six meteors to pin him like it's it's in some ways kind of like oh okay well shima deserved to win that and now he's gonna go on and to a bigger match and and jericho it's not like jericho and omega needed to have 45 minutes of kickouts it was like jericho put him away and pinned him and it was over and it's like oh all right (laughs) like there we go he
0: might be the first champion he just needs to win matches right And, and shima you know he wins and um, you know, and and now you're looking forward a little bit to to to, to what and you're like, oh, well now this all makes sense because he's facing Omega and Omega lost his first singles match and Omega is going to beat Shima now who comes into the match a little stronger because he beat a, a guy like Christopher Daniels and you know, that'll give Omega a win going into whatever he's going to do with Mox it just, you can kind of see the, the booking coming into place now as we get two and three shows into the promotion, so Um, A successful three-star opening match. And we're also learning about the promotion. Maybe they're going to structure their shows like old-school shows where you build up to the back end of the card instead of trying to uh, blow everybody's doors off like a PWG show. We don't know any of these things yet. So we're all learning the promotion as we go. Uh, But next up, we had a uh, triple threat with the ladies, Rich. We had Riho. She wins a match that also involved Nyla Rose and Yuka Sakazaki. Uh, my my uh, pithy thoughts on this one before I'll let you talk at length is that I thought this smoked the shit out of the women's matches on the first show. Uh, what did you think of this uh, three-way?
2: Yeah, I 100% agree. I think this was way better than both of the women's matches uh, on Double or Nothing. And I really liked uh, the Joshi match from Double or Nothing, but I thought this one was really good. I thought this one, because of that, it was only three people, and each of them, I thought, had an opportunity to sort of show what they were good at, show you know their highlights, and, and particularly Nyla Rose. It was great to see Nyla be able to be the monster on her own without Awesome Kong sort of overshadowing her. And for Nyla, I, th- I think it was a great opportunity for her to show, okay, this is what she is, and and, and you know, as kind of establish her hierarchy in that division. I think that's super, super important. I know if you got the opportunity to do Awesome Kong, I get it. I uh, 100% understand why they did that at Double or Nothing, but I think in in some ways long term, Unless you did a match like you did at, at, at Fighter Fest with Nyla Rose, there was an opportunity that maybe she gets sort of overlooked or maybe she just gets, I, I don't know. I don't know the exact terminology. But, but, you know what I mean? Like there was an opportunity there that they may have lost that I think they, they're right back on. Where now she, again, is established as the monster. The awesome Kong thing was kind of just a one-off that Brandy did. Whatever, not a big deal. But then you established Nyla. But then I think as well, uh, Rio and, and and Sakazaki now have their little – feud bubbling under the surface that they lose this match and and, and or, or Riho wins the match and then Sakazaki a little bit angry at Riho and stuff so it's kind of cool. Nyla Rose got to look like a monster, toss the other two girls around those two got opportunities to show off what they're really good at and then they now have a feud kind of bubbling under the surface as well so a lot of good coming from this match.
0: I want to see the Riho Sakazaki singles match now. So I think they did a good job drumming up some interest for that. I'll disagree a little on Nyla Rose. I think they got her over as a monster from the perspective of, or they attempted to from the perspective of, I liked how the match was structured and worked where the two Joshi would gang up on Nyla when the three of them were in the ring. And then they'd go at it. It's almost like they had a a battle plan. Okay. We got to take care of her because she's a beast. And then we'll worry about each other. So I like that constant story. The thing with Nyla Rose is I've seen her twice now. And admittedly, they're the only two times I've ever seen her. I don't think she's very good. And I think that AEW knows that she's a work in progress and she's not very good. And I think that's why we're not seeing kind of what we've been asking for. God, why don't they put Nyla Rose in there with someone and just let her fucking destroy people and – because I don't think they think she's ready for that. I, that's that's kind of the feel I'm getting and why they're kind of hiding her in these multi-person matches and and why she's not winning them because I don't believe that they think she's ready. Um, I, you know, and, and, and to me, I'm not seeing a polished wrestler in there either. I'm not even seeing someone that conveys the fact that she's supposed to be this monster. I'm not even seeing that from her. So I think there's some growth there that needs to occur with Nyla Rose before they really push her hard and put her in a position to be a monster. Uh, So that's, that's the kind of feel I'm getting off of Nyla Rose. But as far as this match, um, you know, we finally have our first sort of storyline or semblance of a storyline in the women's division. Now with Rio and Sakazaki's post-match stuff. So um, I would like to see those two have a singles match. I'd like to see, honestly, Rich, any singles match with the women in this promotion.
2: Let's get some singles matches here. Enough of the multi-person.
0: We had the Dopey Lava Bates singles match, but I don't think anybody's counting that. But I'd like to see a singles match with, with some of the pushed people because this is enough of this now. So hopefully this means we're going to get a riho Sakazaki singles match at some point. As we move on to the four-way, Adam Page, of course, he had to win this in a match that also involved Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy, and MJF. The only thing I'll say about this before you talk us through it is I thought MJF gave like a god-tier promo before this. That promo was a work of fucking art. You do not see promos of that caliber in pro wrestling anymore. His cadence, the put-downs, the heat it generated, I mean it ticked every box. You were watching – like prime rowdy roddy piper you were watching name your all-time great heel promo i was in awe of mjf and mesmerized by how great this man is at cutting a heel promo and getting over as a guy that you just want to see get fucking destroyed uh what did you think of the promo i guess since i fucking just splooged all over myself over it and then what did you think of the match
2: uh, I will say the promo. I hundred percent agree. And 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 here's an here's an you know sort of an example for you as well. Uh, Dan, who I mentioned, was watching the show with me. He was about ready to go at this time, just not because the show was boring him or anything, but he just had to go or whatever. So he's he's getting ready. He's packing all the stuff up. MJF starts cutting that promo. He starts laughing. He's looking. We're kind of like the nurse is looking up from her phone. Everyone's looking up and focusing. Dan puts all the stuff down and goes, ah, "I guess I can watch this match." <laughs> it was like that dude; he kept him in the room, <laughs> like the nurse was about ready to say, "Ah, screw this, I'm gonna go to bed or I'm gonna go do something else." Dan's ready to leave. MjF gets them back, and they sit down and they go, "Oh man!" Like they were just laughing their ass off when he's talking about the virgins. And unfortunately, they cut to some one guy in the crowd who probably feels like an absolute shit right now. But like, no, that was yeah, there were people. Yeah, that, I, guy, and,
0: that guy might be a sex god. for I know.
2: Or <laughs> kind of like part oh, of uh, virgin the crowd. They're like, oh, I think I got one.
0: <laughs> could you imagine being picked out know, specifically yeah. when they're making fun of virgins and they pick you to show know, on the camera? That,
2: that's an unfortunate uh, side. That there, guy but, might have
0: a giant hog. He could be. Yeah, slain. Right. He might be yeah. slaying puss all over the place for all we know, and poor
2: guy now. Right, just because he's, he's at a video game convention too, maybe he's big in the furry community. You don't know, so yeah.
0: That's please. right. Yeah, I'm very. Listen, I am very popular in the furry community. Is that true? Okay. I am. Huge. I don't need to hear
2: anymore. Please don't. Please don't.
0: I am it. not a furry, but I the furry community. By and large, are big fans of Joe Lanza in this podcast. That is a fact. I can name specific furries who are big fans of Joe Lanza, but that's a topic for another day. Indeed. The point here is that poor guy was labeled as a virgin. Who knows? <laughs> you know, he, he might be having orgies in his room up in, uh, where are they, Orlando for this? Orlando,
2: state? yeah, the CEO game show. Yeah, maybe he's, he's really pulling all the Street Fighter girls or whatever. But uh, yeah, anyway, it was, um, no, it was it was, yeah, it was a great promo. And and I always hear from people that are like, ah, I don't know that you like and, and most people, I should say, most people agree that this guy is just an incredible promo, awesome promo, great heel. There are, are people I do hear as well. They're like, ah, oh, it's kind of all the same stuff over and over. And once you hear one, you hear them all. I completely disagree. Like this is again, another one. And, and, and maybe if you see him on a bunch of indie shows in a row or during WrestleMania weekend with some of the same stuff. But I think when he really needs to deliver a great heel promo, there is nobody and I, nobody even in the fucking universe, nobody in the stratosphere of MJF in terms of cutting. A, a promo that can just keep going on and on, and just every next note is a little bit stronger than the other, and more than the other, and just like he gets, like you can't help but you can't even fake, you know, the the the, the cool heel cheer thing that some people will do with a guy who's cutting a really good, yeah. like you might start booing him, and then he starts really reeling into you. The thing that the Rock sort of dealt with, and when when you know by his last you know heel run, not not the two thousand three heel run, but like his 19, late nineteen ninety eight heel run, he was so good at being an asshole that people started getting into it and started actually cheering him, where MJF is such a fucking dickwad that you can't even comprehend cheering for him. Like, you're just annoyed that he even taught. And, like, I I love the guy. Like, I think he's great at it, but I've been there live where I'm like, oh, you know what? Fuck you, dude. (laughs) Like, you're an asshole. Like, where he just gets you. He's so good at that. He's just such a prick. And, and there's nobody that's as big of a prick as he is right now. I, I, he's just on an incredible level too, and he, he's he on lets it go into Twitter. He, he, I've met him outside of shows, and he's telling people to fuck off. He's driving in cars. People see him at a stoplight, and he tells them to go, you know, fuck themselves. It's just like, oh my, like this guy's all like he might just be this in real life. Like I don't know the real MJF, and that's awesome because most other wrestlers, you kind of you'll the, the, the those barriers will be broken down on, on on social media or be broken down before a show or broken down, you know, after a show. I was I saw him before a show once when there was three other people. Me and two other people there for like press, and he's talking shit and cutting promos on us. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, they're setting up the ring, and there's two people here, and you're still talking shit and cu- and, and and being an asshole. It's just he's he's incredible. I think he's really really great.
0: He owns completely owns the gimmick. This was a god tier promo. You could have you can plunk this guy 1983 Mid Atlantic, 1974 Memphis, 1986 WWF, uh, uh the Attitude Era. You put him anywhere you want in any place in time, and he'd get over as a, as a, as a, yeah. as a top heel. That's how good he is. That's how special he is. It would work in any era and any time and place. And um, it's just this promo, though. Like a lot of times, they're just. But this one, I was I was in awe at this. This promo was so good. I mean, you know, this is just an, an incredible promo. But anyway, um, what, what did you think of the match itself?
2: Uh, I didn't love the match itself. I just thought a lot of things happening without much real structure or or or, or balance and, and like i just didn't like the four-way match i just don't like the i any sort of match that's going to be a four-way is always going to be kind of down for me and and in terms of this i thought adam page had his moments where he could kind of shine a little bit and look good but i think he was a little i, I don't know i not over i don't want to say overshadowed there's just so much going on and there's so many different people in this ring and there's just so much different and and i just kind of wanted it to be over i would have just rather preferred adam page beat MJF, or Adam Page beat Jimmy Havoc, or Adam Page beat Jungle. Like, anything that you want, I know you have to have Adam Page win. That makes all the sense of the world. Hangman Page has to win this match. It's just the four-way structure was just like, it felt like there was three other guys in the ring just because there had to be three other guys in the ring, and I felt, it, it, it just to me, I, I I just thought it lacked focus and it lacked structure, and and I, I just I wasn't a big fan of it. Even though they did, they tried to make the most of, of having four guys in the ring and set up some spots that really worked and all that sort of stuff, just ultimately when it was done, I was just like, man, I just would have really had rather just had a singles match. I just think it didn't accomplish exactly what i thought it should have, which is put Adam page over as this dude is about to go for this world title. Like I thought he was kind of, it's kind of him mucking it up with geeks. I thought is what it felt like in this match.
0: Yeah. We talked about it a little last week. I think it's very clear that the POC stuff totally threw off their plan for Adam page. And we know that he wouldn't have been in the battle Royal if not for the POC stuff. And I don't think he'd be in this match if not for the POC stuff. So I think the battle Royal and this match were sort of just emergency contingency plans to, uh, to, to, to get Adam Page on the shows once Pac's thing and once all of that booking fell apart. So I agree from that perspective that it does feel like he's just, every on all these shows, he's mucking it up with geeks. And this is a guy you're trying to heat up for a world title match. And, um, you know, maybe they should have just pivoted to a different plan and, and, and had singles matches, big singles matches ready for him. As far as the match itself, I didn't think it was any kind of um, incredibly well-worked match or dynamic match or anything like that. But I really liked it. Because I thought that, um, unlike a lot of four-ways, I think the other three guys all got enough shine to where they all looked good at at points. Yeah, had MJF with the promo. Jungle Boy, who I was very skeptical of coming off my limited viewing of him in PWG. But I'm starting to get it a little more with him. Um, You know, thanks in part to this match and Jimmy Havoc, who – Jimmy Havoc's an acquired taste. You either get Jimmy Havoc or you don't. A lot of people don't it's the kind of thing where if someone doesn't get Jimmy Havoc, I don't try to help them get it because it's just – do you understand what I'm saying when I say that? It's like is there a band that you really like or a TV show that you kind of know is an acquired taste? And if maybe you say to your wife or your friend, hey, try out this album or try out this show, and they're like, hey, man, that was not for me. And you're like, I get it. I get that you don't get it, and I'm not going to push you on it. Like That's Jimmy Havoc to me. Some people get him and some people don't. Um, I get Jimmy Havoc. I, I don't love the guy, but I, I, to me, he is he is to progress what Sandman was to ECW. And it's like people who weren't ECW fans would see Sandman and they'd be like, "What the fuck? How is this guy over? He stinks. He's horrible," you know. And it's like you just don't get it. You just you either get it or you don't with the Sandman. Same thing with Jimmy Havoc. Um, I don't think Jimmy Havoc will ever get over anywhere like he did in those early days of progress, but, um, you know, I, I do think that there's ways that you can take advantage of what he does bring to the table. And um, anyway, that's just my little Jimmy Havoc rant. But yeah, I, I like this because um, more than I expected to, because I did think it, it, it they did a good job getting MJF, Jungle Boy, and Jimmy Havoc um, some shine. And, um, you know, it's just unfortunate they don't have better plans for for Paige. But um, let's move on now to the business end of the card. We had Cody versus Darby Allen. There's a lot to unpack here. Um, let's start with the match itself, and then we'll get into – I know you don't want to, but we have to. There's no way we cannot talk about the chair shot. Oh, no, I'm
2: fine. I, I, I actually um, enjoy talking about this, so.
0: Okay, but let's let's start with the match. I think the chair shot is more interesting to talk about anyway, so we'll save that. Um, the match itself, time limit draw. Um, this is another example of a lot of people felt this didn't do enough for Darby. I'm someone who disagrees with that. Where do you stand on the match and what it did for Darby?
2: Yeah, I, I, I could see the argument that people would make, but to me, I I think Darby... Not only acclimate himself pretty well, there's the spot that everyone's gonna remember of him doing the coffin drop onto the apron or whatever. I think that is what when you talk about, hey, it, it, we, we say, you know zoom out a little bit, look two months on the line, three months on the line or whatever. Are you gonna remember that Cody and Darby went to a time limit drop? Maybe not. Are you gonna remember that Darby Allen did a, a, a fucking coffin drop or basically a, a, a you know a trust fall onto the apron? That's That, that is going to be the definitive moment, I think, of that match. And the definitive moment of the match is going to be Darby and, and and some of the stuff that he ended up doing, or the post match is what's going to r- really do it. And and I think that's exactly what you want out of Darby Allen right now is just sh- prove and, and show people he's a daredevil. That this is a guy that 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 goes for big risks. It doesn't always work. He's gonna a guy that's gonna take some big bumps, and, and that's sort of what he is right now. And that's all you really need to establish is Darby Allen right now. I don't think this needed to be. Darby Allen getting pushed to the moon. I don't think this needed to be Darby Allen. You know what, what's the next step for Darby Allen? Is he going for a title or whatever? Like they don't have a shit ton of titles. They don't have a huge sort of array of, of of stories for every single guy right now. They don't need a big story for every single guy. So the case of this was was Cody sort of uh, moving on. You, you know, in terms of of surviving the Darby Allen thing. Darby Allen not necessarily losing. I think there's probably a better way. Like, honestly, if it were me, I would have just had Cody beat Darby Allen. I don't think the time limit draw was really necessary. If they felt it was, that's fine. But, like, I again, I don't think Darby Allen would have lost a thing if Cody just put him away with the crossroads at 19 minutes or whatever. I think that would have been perfectly fine. They went this route, but I think it does sort of establish that, hey, Darby was able to hang with Cody, but it kind of felt more like Darby survived and Cody sort of felt like a little bit more of the aggressor at times or whatever. So, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't love the time limit draw, and I think in more cases it, it – it, I don't want to say it hurt because I don't think it hurt Darby at all. I don't think it helped Cody enough, where I think a win would have helped Cody enough. But I think Darby, I, you got what you needed out of Darby. You proved exactly what he was, and I think people are going to remember now what he is. And the next time you have a match, they're going to know, hey, Darby Allen's the guy who takes crazy bumps, and that's kind of what you want out of Darby Allen right now, and that's what Darby Allen's going to be eventually when when you know AEW does sort of do a little bit more with him. So no, I, I didn't hate the time limit draw. I would have preferred Kobe just put him away. I, I think that's probably the better way to do it. But you know, I, I can't get too upset about it. Did you like the match? Ah, uh, the match itself—a little meandering at times. Uh, it was a little, and and that's you know sometimes Cody matches can get that way. The Cody matches that like, it's probably it, it, it's probably worked in a very similar style to the All This match, and even the one the match against his brother, but. It's when the crowd isn't invested in, in every move that those guys make that sometimes the, the, the Cody style doesn't quite work, which is sort of this old school style. The I'm gonna build it up, build it up, build it up, big move. Okay, build it up, build it up, big move. That's kind of what his, his style is versus you know, big move, big move, big move that we're kind of used to these days. And we'll talk about, you know, obviously the, the six way or the, the six man match in the next, you know, the, that follows it was that which is move, 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 impact, 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 like every single second of the uh the match, which is is, is fine. That's what that match is. Cody's matches are not going to be that way. So you had a match where people weren't all that invested in Darby Allen. They didn't necessarily care about this. There wasn't really a big feud going on here. So it felt a little slower at times, even though it was probably worked at the exact same pace. Like I said, like the oldest match, like the Dustin match, like a lot of Cody's good matches. It's just sometimes when the crowd doesn't hook, when you can't hook that crowd, that style of match doesn't quite work. So it felt a little meandering. But when those big spots had to happen, they were still big and they still mattered. And and, and the anticipation as the time limit was kind of coming up was pretty cool as well. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of it. And I enjoyed some of the big pops of this match and the, really the big moves of this match. But at times it did feel like it was kind of laboring a bit.
0: Without addressing the chair shot itself, did the chair shot overshadow Darby?
2: Yeah, it did. I think it did. I mean, I I think Darby is still going to be remembered for that trust fall and for a few things he did in the match, but I think once that chair shot happened, it established that Darby, "Ah, okay, you're kind of to the back now. This is the thing that you need to care about right now, and that's, I could see affecting it, but I don't know that that's I, I can admit that it did overshadow Darby, but also not get mad that it overshadowed Darby. You, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care right now about Darby Allen. Like, that's not obviously something they're doing. You know, he's a member of the roster. He's going to do his thing. He will come up at, at, at whatever point they do. I love Darby Allen. He's one of my favorite wrestlers going right now, but I'm not too worried about that. I know what they wanted to establish and what they wanted to make more important. So it's one of those things where, like, yeah, you can understand and admit that they overshadowed a guy, but then also not be upset that they overshadowed a guy. Like, I'm fine with the direction being 10 guy and Cody. I'm excited about that match now. I don't care what Darby Allen's next step is because I care what Sean Spears and Cody's next step is. And, and both those things can happen and be okay.
0: See, I think they accomplished everything they needed to accomplish with Darby. They established, number one, that he's out of his fucking mind and will will has no regard for his body. That's number one. And number two, they established that he's like this never say die, you got to kill him to put him away sort of babyface. Mission accomplished. OK, they they they, they, they accomplished both of those things with this. OK, so to me and I put a lot of thought into this and I kind of wavered both ways. But to me, the ensuing angle did nothing to take away from Darby Allen, because I think I here I, I think if if Cody would have like beat Darby Allen in a nice little 13 minute match and then they did the angle. Yeah, then you're kind of just burying Darby and he becomes an afterthought. But he got to the draw. He, you know, Cody wasn't able to put him away. They established that this guy won't fucking die. And they established that he's an absolute maniac. And here's the other thing that I talked about a little bit last week. We have to get into the mind frame that AEW assumes that you already know a lot of these people. They do. They're not treating their audience like they're stupid. They're not trying to re-explain everybody to the audience. And I think Darby Allen is one of those guys, like Janella, like Moxley, who, of course, Moxley, but like Janella and like some of the others, uh, like the Lucha Bros, where they just assume their audience already knows. You know what I mean? I don't feel like they need to do grand introductions or they don't feel like they need to do grand introductions for some of these guys because I think they feel like some of these people they've hired are already firmly established. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of most of the audience knows who these people are and the rest they'll catch up. It's pro I talk about this all the time. It's pro-wrestling. We're not sending rockets to the moon. I didn't know who Nyla Rose is. I got a good feel for her now. It's like I've been watching wrestling a long time. I don't need to be hammered over the head with who these people are. Okay? I get it. I get what Nyla Rose is about now. Saw her twice. It's all I needed. Okay? But I think they're assuming you already know Darby Allin, and I think this story did enough to where anyone else who's a wrestling fan now understands, oh, okay, this is a little dude, he's a little off-kilter, he's a fucking maniac, and he's hard to beat. I think they got that over with or without the chair shot. I anyway, I don't know. Um, as far as the time of the draw and the match goes, I it was a really good match. Um, the, my only problem with the match is they tipped off the draw early. I knew they were going all the way. Early on in the match, when Cody was slapping on those side headlocks, mm-hmm. now, look, that's Cody. He's not, and look, that's not just Cody. But you know, you can tip off um, time limit draws with almost and even great workers. You know, when Samoa Joe, Bryan Danielson had a 60 minute time limit draw in Edison, New Jersey for ROH in 2006. I was there live, and that's two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And I hated that fucking match because they tipped off the draw within the first 10 minutes. Right, those
2: Joe Punk matches too. I should love them, and I remember like. The idea that those matches were like, oh, my God, it's Punk and Joe. And they're you know, 60 and 80, 90 minutes or whatever. And then I watch them like, these matches stink. I hate these matches.
0: You're, listen, um, you and I are the only two people who don't love the Joe Punk matches. And I and I did not I, – I, I legitimately hate that Samoa Joe Bryant. It was a waste of an hour. And it sent me home in a bad mood. And I love those guys. But since I – because I knew they were going all – they were going 60 minutes – I couldn't focus on 45 minutes of it because I already knew. And I was like, oh, let's just get to the fucking end then and get to this fucking draw or have somebody win in the final minute because I know that's what they're doing. Anyway, this is only a 20-minute match, so you don't need to stall that egregiously. So they tipped off that they were going all the way. That's my one minor gripe. Otherwise, I like the story of Cody kind of just beating them down and Darby not dying. So it worked for me, and um, I don't mind the draw. I'm with you, though. I wouldn't – you know. Cody probably just should have beat him, to be honest. That's what I mean.
2: I I, he should have just put him away in 19 minutes and it would have been fine.
0: And 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 Darby we've talked about Darby before when we've talked about Evolve and stuff. I really think he's one of these guys that never has to fucking win. No,
2: Jesus. The and, best time with uh, the best run that he had in Evolve, he just fucking lost for like 3 months lost. straight. Like yeah.
0: And and I almost feel like he's one of those guys where it's better off if all he does is lose. Right, and,
2: Hanma and, style. Just like you Hanma want style, him so exactly. badly to win and it's like, damn, he just killed himself and he lost again. God damn it. Like
0: Yes. And it's like, yeah, you, you know, you build them up for an eventual big win here or there. Absolutely, you know, if you time it right, those could be gigantic matches and gigantic moments. But for the most part, Darby Allen's one of those guys where it's better if he constantly loses. Anyway, let's get to the chair shot. Patreon.com/slash Voice of the Wrestling five dollar tier. The latest edition of the Intelligentsia. I go on a half hour spirited. I'll leave it at that. Rant. I didn't expect to get that excited about uh, what I had to say, but I ended up just losing my mind um, talking about the chair shot. So you can hear my very detailed thoughts on that behind the paywall, which means I'm going to let Rich predominantly carry this segment, and I'm just going to bounce my thoughts (laughs) of what his thoughts are off of what Rich has to say. Um, I don't know how to set it up for you. The chair shot, Rich. Are you disgusted are you okay with it? Um, talk about it from any angle you want.
2: Go ahead. Right. So I, I think my, my angle, and for people that have listened to the show for years and years and years and years, you know what I think about the dangers of wrestling, the quote-unquote dangers of wrestling or whatever. It is dangerous. Anytime you step in the ring, anytime you take a back bump, anytime you're jumping off the top rope, anytime you're doing anything in the ring, you're rattling your brain. You're causing issues to your brain. And, and we've all kind of, probably by WWE's, instruction in, in a lot of ways similar to how the nfl has sort of done the same thing too the nfl has made everybody think that hey a big hit that's what causes concussions that's what causes head trauma wb has sort of said oh it's the chair shots it, i knew it was that before it was anything else it was the chair shots and all that is is a way to get and and again i'm not like being a conspiracy theorist either do some reading do some research look at this the nfl has, has done many many things of this don't watch the concussion movie because that's a, a total fucking lie and the name of it's a lie as well it's it, for cte which i saw that getting passed around a shit ton on sunday ct is, is not necessarily concussions ct is not necessarily a big hit a chair shot to the head or that sort of stuff ct is is the constant rattling of the brain that just damages it over time and and that's what causes many uh, of these issues in the nfl in terms of alignment in terms of uh, of of running backs in terms of people just getting their brains rattled time in and time and and after and after and constantly constantly it's like repeated headshots repeated stuff similar wrestlers repeated false on a mat like a repeatedly (laughs) hitting your head somewhere is going to cause those issues time and time again people sort of decided that chair shots are the reason that people have concussions chair shots are the reason Chris Benoit killed his family you know chair shots are the reason this this person w- was was unhealthy or whatever is, is and and no, are chair shots to the head good? No, they're absolutely not good. You should not be Balls Mahoney. You should not be a guy whose entire thing is relied upon of getting hit in the head every single fucking moment. Like they shouldn't be done every single night on Raw. They shouldn't be done in the first hour of Raw just to get some shitty angle over or whatever. They don't need to be done all the time. But the idea that it's like, oh my God, you can't do this. If you do this, like people are gonna die and 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 people are gonna murder their families, and this is why CT exists, like all that going around is just you're not, you you don't know what you're talking about. So just stop. That is not what CT is. Unprotected chair shots and CT are not the same thing, you know. Unprotected chair shots and, and even concussions are not necessarily the same thing. Yes, you can get a concussion from an unprotected chair shot, or you can not get a concussion from an unprotected chair shot. You can get a lot of other things. You can get damn it, like fucking cut up, like Cody got cut up. Again, I don't want to see them all the time. I don't think they're very useful. In in random things, but I think they do have their place in, in wrestling when done at the exact right time. And I know people are going to say, ah, it's just you guys are safe rattling for AEW whatever. If they did this on every – if on the pre-show this happened and two other times in the show that happened, I would say this is fucking stupid. What are you guys doing? If this is the only unprotected chair shot they do for the next nine months, the next year, the next two years, this is the only one they ever do in their history, that's fine. As long as the guys walk away okay and they understand the risks that they take and, and from what everything that we've heard, whether they're lying or not, that this chair was designed to not be as impactful or whatever, and as long as Cody got tested and Cody's aware of the issues and all that sort of stuff, then I'm fine with it. It's their bodies. If they want to do what they're going to do, that's fine if that's how he chooses to to, to to tell his story if that's how he chooses to do his art then that's how he chooses to do his art like i'm not going to be here and 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 tell him that he can't do this or tell him all oh, well, this is a, just an absolute disgrace because that that just comes from ignorance like you don't know the issues like you you just it, it's i see this like oh this is why ct exists I'm like no it's not it's not unpredicted cheer shots are not why chris benoit killed his family <laughs> like i know you can think that all you want uh diving headbutts every single fucking night you know railing your brain every single night abusing steroids you know abusing painkillers doing whatever you do that's going to lead to a lot of issues way more than one unprotected chair shot so far in this company's history i mean that again if he does it every single night i'm going to say you're an idiot you're really dumb if darby allen does that coffin drop every single time then i'm gonna tell him he's an idiot and he needs to change but for one little angle for one little thing it's not that big of a deal and again if he gets tested and he's aware, that's the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing with the NFL. It's the biggest thing with wrestling. If guys know, hey, look, there are dangers to doing this. Are you okay with it? And they're okay with it. Then, you know, similar to the Naito Ibushi thing. I'm not going to sit here on my on my soapbox and say, oh, my God, I, I can't do this. Like, I'm just not going to do that. It's it, 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 If this is how they want to tell their story and this is how they're going to tell their art, I'm fine with it. But again, there is overdoing it. I don't disagree that there is a way to overdo it. And it is not safe if it's being done every single night. If it's being done one time for an angle to really put the same angle over as being something serious and being something really you know traumatizing, then I don't, I, I don't hate it. I really do enjoy it. And I, I like the chair shot. I thought that was really cool. Knowing that now Cody was okay and that he was fine and that he's able to kind of move on and didn't have a concussion, did all that sort of stuff. That's fine with me. I'm cool with it then. The gash is not great. Obviously, you don't want the gash, but I'm sure Cody is very happy with how that went across. It came across as actually dangerous. It came across as actually unsafe, and it came across like Sean Spears is a sort of unhinged guy, and you made him a serious dude right off the bat. You made 10 guy into a very serious person. So, yeah, it, it to me, I don't hate it. And, and, and people are – I see a lot of Twitter medical experts, again, getting on their rants and getting on their soapboxes and stuff. I will just say, educate yourself if you're going to do that. Know what the hell you're talking about before you start spotting off CT and concussions and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not an expert either. I'm not a doctor either, but I've done a shit ton of reading about it and a shit ton of of listening to to different things and reading books and doing all that sort of stuff. Do the same if you're going to sit there and talk about CT and all that sort of stuff. So that's it. That's what I'll say.
0: A lot of these people are concerned trolls and safety nerds. And, And, you know, they're people who, you know, you want to get on a. They're anti AEW and they want to get on for so. Oh, chair shot to the head—that's easy. So they're concern trolls, and then the other half of them are just safety nerds who you know they whine about all this stuff. You know, we just went through with Obushi and 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 that look to me, the chair shot was awesome. It was a great angle, an awesome looking chair shot, and I think the blood was a, was a happy accident. That's an added bonus.
2: What I, mean, so I said, Cody was probably so happy that it happened. Like he's a oh weirdo. He's definitely. I, I think I put it on Twitter. I said Cody is definitely his father's son. You don't think he watched in the back and said, fuck yeah,
0: look at this guy. Hell
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) They walked out with the blood. It added something. It added another element to the angle. And it's just just fucking stitches. It's a superficial wound. We know that he wasn't concussed. And that's the other thing. We know it was a gimmick chair. We know he wasn't concussed. We know that he's fine. And we're still whining about it. You know, it's just, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just uh, the safety nerds, they just love to whine about this. And, and I'm, I'm with you. And the subscribers heard this already. But again, the large majority of people listening are subscribers. I'll go over my key points. Okay. Um, the occasional chair shot to the head, I got no problem with it. None whatsoever. When done effectively like this one, in a ma- if it's a major angle and it's important and it gets people over – and it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish the crowd was solemn you they got the perfect and you know why they were because we don't see chair shots to the head very often anymore now when you do do them they're even more impactful than they were before it's like the perfect thing to do to get an angle over now because we don't see them and because there is this perception that they're the ultimate most dangerous thing you can they're the most taboo thing in wrestling right is a chair shot to the head So when you do it, it really gets people's attention. That makes it like even more worthwhile to do it every now and then. Again, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I am not condoning doing it every night. Right. We are
2: not saying that that would be absolutely stupid. Do not do that.
0: No, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see 1995 ECW that we've grown past the occasional one to put over an angle. Absolutely. No problem with it. Okay. Because uh, that looked great. How did Gato's little chair shot to Okada's back look? I mean, we're mocking it. You know, it's like this This was a phenomenal angle. They lucked out with the cut to the back of the head. Um, and, and, you know, I laid out my issues with it on the pay side. I don't like that they showed – they shouldn't have showed a single replay. I want your opinion on that. They shouldn't – and let me catch other people up. And then I want your take. I don't think they should have showed a single replay. Because after the chair shot, you have the announcer's – you know putting over how fucking disgusting this act was by Sean Spears and, uh, and how they couldn't believe what they were seeing Cody spurting blood out of the back of his head they're telling you how na- they're talking about cte and concussions and how gross this was and spears is a maniac and 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 then they show you a thousand replays from a, from a thousand different angles and it's kind of like well if it was this gross egregious disgusting act why are you emphasizing it I think they could have gotten it over stronger by not showing it again and have Jim Ross out there going, ah, fans, we're not going to show you a replay of that because we don't think fans should be subject. That's how you put it over, not by showing us a thousand different angles of Cody turning his head and showing us that it didn't hit him flush. I want to believe that it hit him flush. I want to believe that he almost fucking died. Don't show me the reap. Don't fucking. it's, It's like it's the magician showing you the trick. I don't believe they should have showed a single replay. Where do you stand on that? 100%
2: 100% agree I would have loved if they just said oh no don't you know even if they started showing it maybe show one and then they say okay no don't show that ever again like we don't want to see that again like what a vile act I think that would have put it over a little bit more like you're saying showing it time and time and time again like by the seventh time I'm like ah, you know what that wasn't that bad like and the, like I started realizing that the gash was on the other side of his head not the side that got hit I started seeing him turn away I could kind of see a little bit of it hit his shoulder on the way up to and, and yeah like you're saying I would have thought oh my God if that just was like one time we see it and they're just like don't show that again and the guns I'm 100% with you. I think they they way overshowed that replay and 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 didn't need to emphasize it more any more than they did you know just the one time it happens and then just have the announcer sort of tell the tale that okay they're not comfortable with this you can tell that cody's obviously hurt from it sean spears is going through the crowd i mean that is enough to kind of get the angle over i, I think showing it seven eight nine times or whatever however many times they did uh just didn't help it was the law of diminishing returns you know the first it, time it really yes, feels it right. good by the seventh yeah. time you're like all right whatever it's not that bad of a thing and and again that's what we're talking about with, with the chair shots like a law of diminishing returns Chair shots to the head are dangerous because it can cause a gash. It can cause a concussion. It can cause many, many issues. We are not saying that that's not true. I am not saying that that's not true. I'm not saying that anybody – saying that, oh my God, a chair shot could actually hurt you. Of course it can hurt you. It absolutely can. The idea though is the law of diminishing returns. If you can do, if the person and both people are aware hey, we're going to do this one thing, it's risky. It could cause an issue, but maybe it doesn't, but we're going to do this one thing to get this thing over to make this thing a big deal and make the people interested in it. Then yes, I am for it and I'm okay with it. And I'm fine with it. As long as everybody involved knows what's going on. Everybody involved knows The risks and that the people involved in it know that, hey, when I'm done with this, I should go get tested. I should just make sure, hey, I'm going to get checked out by a doctor, make sure. That's the big issue with having it happen in, in 1995 ECW is that Paul's Mahoney would have a concussion and they would just say, ah, fuck it, whatever. He'd drink a bunch of beer and then go do it the next night. That's the issue. The issue isn't that he took a chair shot to the head. The issue is that he never got any help for doing it and did it every single night. And we talk about the law of diminishing returns. The 19 time ball with Mahoney got hit in the head with a chair in a match. It didn't matter anymore. Didn't Nobody cares care anymore. Care. Yeah. If, if everybody involved cares and everybody involved knows the risks and knows the dangers and knows to get checked out and doctors know and doctors are on hand and yada, 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 all that sort of stuff. If so there's knowledge of, Hey, this is dangerous, but the reward might be that people are really into this match. Then, then that is what you want out of that. That is the goal doing it seven times. Like if Sean Spears hit him in the head nine times after that, nobody like by the nine time, you're like, okay, you're fucking dumb. Like, what are you guys doing? Like nobody cares about the chair shot anymore. And you're just getting hurt for no reason. You're just causing potential danger to yourself without much benefit. This was the risk of potential danger for the high v- potential value of it being a great angle, which I think did pay off. And again, like, yeah, if they don't do it for nine more years again, or they never do it again, we'll remember that this one chair shot. Oh my God, that really set the stage for like a completely different thing. But again, if they do it every single week on TV, yeah, I will be here saying, "Hey, you guys are being dumb. You're 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 not getting the the value. the, the risk reward factor is not good if you're doing this every single week. If you're doing it one time in a few years, it is.
0: Can we stop ignoring that he's fine? You know that well, it's, it's a bad
2: thing. That's a bad thing that he's fine. I think that, yeah.
0: ma- that matters here. It matters that he's fine and that he got stitched up and then was producing the show. And they're tweeting out that he's producing the show, which I have another issue with that we'll get to. But can we, can we not ignore these fine? That's important here. What is pro wrestling? What is the essence of pro wrestling? Okay. It's working people into thinking shit is dangerous, but everybody's safe. Right? I mean, really, that's the essence of it. Fooling people into thinking that you're beating a man up, but you're not really beating him up. But you're making it look convincing. Okay. That look convincing as fuck, and he's fine. So what's the issue? That's perfect pro wrestling. And it got over. So I have no idea what we're complaining about here. I mean I have an idea but you get what I'm saying it's like he's fine mission accomplished again in terms of this now here's what I don't like okay can you let us enjoy it as fans for longer than 10 minutes before you tell us it was all bullshit before you come out there and scream to everybody that Cody doesn't have a concussion and here's a picture of Cody out of the official see here's the counter argument people are making to me oh well It was Tony Khan saying he didn't have a concussion and Tony Khan saying that the chair was gimmicked during the press scrum. It's not part of Canon. First of all, if you put it out there, it's going to be part of if you're at the official press scrum of the event, I'm sorry, that's going to be part of Canon. Number two, their Twitter account tweeted out Cody producing the show with the staples in his head, showing us that he was fine. So they made it part of Canon that this chair shot didn't do any damage. Okay, and can you let us, as fans, suspend our disbelief for ten fucking minutes before you pull the curtain back and let us know that 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 the guy is fine? Okay, and I said this behind the paywall, and I'll say it again. Okay, once he went through concussion protocol, and once it was determined that Cody was okay, here's what I would have done: I would have grabbed Sean Spears, I would have put him in a room, I would have handed him a chair with some blood on it. And I would have had him stand there with the bloody chair and cut, a, and cut a six minute promo along the lines of Cody is laying in a hospital room with a concussion. If anyone gets in my way, I'm going to put him in the bed right next to him. And if Cody comes back at me, I'm going to finish the job and knock his fucking head off his shoulders. That's what I would have done. Play it up. Tell us Cody's in, in, in the hospital. Tell us Cody might not make it to fight for the fallen, the team with Dustin against the Bucks. Work me. It's fine, because you know he's okay. Don't worry about concerned trolls and safety nerds. Why are you worried about what people are tweeting? Who gives a shit? These people are all going to watch Fight for the Fallen. I guarantee it. Okay? You know how I know? Because I see the NFL's ratings. Everyone complains about the NFL and head injuries, yet the ratings keep going up. I see the NHL Stanley Cup final doing record ratings. Rich, this is something people whine about but don't really care about. And I've got facts to back me up. And AEW is so scared of offending anyone. And I knew this would be a problem from day one when they positioned themselves as the woke wrestling promotion, which I told you was going to end up being a mistake. And it's going to bite them in the ass. Again, worse than this at some point. You'll see. Okay? I knew this would be a problem and they're so afraid to upset or offend anyone that they're out there destroying their own angles. Tony Khan at that press scrum should have said, yeah, Cody's in bad shape, man. I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to see. And there's ways to do that. As soon as you, if you would have, if you would have had Sean Spears cut a promo bragging about concussing Cody Rhodes, anyone with a brain would know he wasn't concussed.
2: Well, (laughs) you're not concussed
0: well you are not but you're not throwing it in our face. Do you you see what I'm saying? Like once they turn it into an angle, you know, he's okay, but at least continue the angle, plant the seed of doubt. Allow me to suspend this belief. If I want to fuck, don't tell anyone the chair was gimmicked. And here's my point. If you're that concerned, then don't do the fucking angle to begin with. If you can't take the heat, get the fuck out of the kitchen and don't do the angle. If you don't want to take the heat, then do not do chair shots to the head. If you're going to do a chair shot to the head, ignore the complainers and just do your angle and live with it. What do you think? I mean, am I crazy for thinking that? If, if you're going to do these kind of angles, just do them. But if you want to be the woke promotion and worried about what the safety nerds think, then please don't waste my time as a viewer.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, that's, the, and that's, that,
0: that's my gripe with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And again, like it speaks to what you were talking about at the top where maybe there are and I don't mean people. Up,
0: but but the, here's the thing, because I don't need it, Rich. I don't yeah. need the chair shots to the head. But if you're going to give them to me, then fucking sell them and work me. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like either do them and go all out with it. I don't need this mealy mouth shit where you're going to do dangerous angles and then cut the fucking balls off of them an hour later in a press conference. That's where I'm that's what upsets me. And I can't believe I lost my mind again for the second
2: time. Well. <laughs> Listen to the first rant, uh, voice dot wrestling.com slash Patreon. But I, I think uh, some of it may speak to what you talked about at the top of the when we were talking about the fighter Fest of, of maybe that you have a few different camps here where, where Cody's like, hey, fuck it. I'm doing this thing and whatever. And then maybe you have whoever it may be uh again matt's jackson tony time. We'll say tony matt jackson and tony khan go ah geez this is kind of shitty like let's let's and maybe go out tony there
0: says hey man i gotta go to turner and explain why you're
2: exactly yeah going. right so i don't know i it, maybe it speaks to that and maybe but again,
0: it, it, if that's the case then tony khan needs to go up to cody and say i own this thing no chair shots right yeah me.
2: cut the shit and 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 i'm gonna make you come through me before you do anything yeah i don't know yeah it, it it's interesting because you're right i mean i think Cody in a lot of ways, I think, is old school enough where he would probably want to sell that thing and 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 have Spears do the bloody promo and and, and be knocked out, quote unquote, for the rest of the day. Whereas I could see someone like a Tony Khan or even the, the Bucks or Omega or whatever being a little bit more transparent about it. Cody is not a very he he is again his father's son. He's he's all about being sort of the work, and and I could see those other guys not being necessarily that. So again, it's this sort of weird, you know, what 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 are what is this company going to be? And this might have been another example of like you know, different people having different objectives and, and different ways of telling the story of wrestling.
0: They sh- I mean, I can't believe their own uh, Twitter account tweeted out him sitting there in a fucking, uh, you know, windbreaker fucking producing the show. They should have tweeted out him laying in a hospital bed. What are we doing here? This is pro wrestling. I, I, I don't know. It drives you nuts. Anything else on the chair shot?
2: Uh, no, that's it.
0: All right. So we have the six man. Omega and the Bucks versus the Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid, and to me, I have the same exact thoughts I had about the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros from from Double or Nothing, which was this was meant to be a wild, insane, out-of-control spot fest to pop the live crowd. And to pop people who've never seen this kind of match before, you and I have seen this kind of match countless times, um, literally dozens and dozens of times. So it may not have had the same effect on us. I still appreciated it for what it was. I think all of these guys are fucking phenomenal. But um, look, I thought this was exactly what it was supposed to be. And every time I see a match like this, I think about Mark Henry on Busted Open saying that the Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers tag from Double or Nothing was the best tag team match he's ever seen. And I extrapolate that to the rest of the new audience who's never seen this kind of match, um, th- having the same thoughts. So that's what I thought about this. It was basically a redo of the match we just saw, it Double or Nothing. And I and until they start integrating the Bucks into some storylines, I don't have a problem with it.
2: Yeah, and I, I, that's kind of what my thoughts were too. I, I mentioned it on Twitter, where where I think my exact tweet was similar to what you were just saying. Is like essentially, hey, I really, you know, I I see why some people are going to love this match but maybe I'm not that guy anymore because I've seen this match a thousand times already. And it's like, you can still admire the work and still know it was, I mean, still, it was a great match, but I just didn't, Care all that much because it's like, yeah, I, I've seen most of this stuff. You know, there's a few spots that I saw where they were pretty cool, but this style of match, I'm starting to get a little, I, I don't know, I don't want to say bored by him, but a little bit like, all right, let's see some new stuff. Let's see some different stuff. But I understand that I'm maybe not the target audience for that. I'm somebody who's seen Pentagon Jr. Live, you know, a thousand times now in the last two years. I'm somebody who's seen Phoenix Live a bunch of times. I've seen the Bucks Live a bunch of times. I've seen Omega Live a bunch of times. Where if you've seen those guys and you know kind of what they are, it, it you're not going to be surprised by this style of match. But in the same sense, you might not be as into it because it's not going to be anything new. It's not going to be anything mind-blowing and that's what this one was again i was like all right cool very well worked i get why they did it i'm sure there's somebody out there there's another mark henry out there that went oh my god i can't believe what these guys are doing but i'm at the point now where i'm just like all right cool i'm ready for something different i'm ready to see a different style of match out of pentagon i'm ready to see phoenix do a little bit more i'm ready for the bucks to see a little bit more i'm ready for kenny to sort of uh grow a little bit as a worker and 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 i think they will i don't think they're going to do this style of match for the next 20 years or whatever but to me personally i'm I'm kind of i'm ready for something new while also understanding that it's good. It's not like it sucked and it was bad and it was garbage. It's just like, all right, I've seen this kind of match a lot. It's good. It's really, really good. But again, like the law of diminishing returns, the eighth time I've seen a really, really good match between the Bucks and, and, and you know, Pena and, and, and Phoenix, it's, it's not going to be as good as the first or second time I saw it. And, that, and that's where I'm at with it.
0: Okay, so we had Moxley Janela in the main event. Oh, I'm sorry, Rich. This was not the main event. The uh, six-man match was the main event. Yes. It, this was lights out.
2: The right? lights went out, Joe, and can we I, had a uh, unofficial.
0: Can I final bury match? this? I'll
2: can go ahead. Bury yeah, this. yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I got <laughs> Meltzer splained by Meltzer himself. <laughs> you I literally Meltzer splained, yes. I got literally Meltzer splained uh, by you know when I buried the lights out stip a stipulation that historically I've never liked. I don't get it. I think it's stupid. If it, at best it's antiquated. I could kind of see where maybe in the '70s or the early '80s, where you know shows weren't on TV and it was just for the arena fans, and I, I and and maybe a few more people were still fucking thinking this shit was legit. Okay, in 2019, the idea of a lights out match and doing that hokey bullshit where you flick the lights off and turn them back on, and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to believe that this match is more dangerous than it was before. I mean, it's just an antiquated, dated, hokey, dumb stipulation, okay? I know what a lights-out match is. I didn't need to be Meltzer-splained on it. I just think it's corny. I think it comes off corny in a modern setting. Whenever they do this, it just ends up being a false Count Anywhere, no DQ fucking just plunder match, and that's all this was. You're not adding any element of danger by flicking the light switch on and off, okay? This is a 1979. Alright, it's it's just silly. It comes off hokey to have Justin Roberts talking in his serious voice as the lights go off. And then they go out there and you just could have called this no DQ. You could have called this uh false count anywhere. You could have called it fucking hardcore, you could have called it a fucking Orlando street fight. And it doesn't and, and you get the same effect. So, you know, the stipulation's goofy. And I don't care who wants to argue with me. And then once I got Meltzer splayed, I got all those old school Meltzer subscribers, you know, the kind of guys who listen to the Cornette podcast and they're all burying me because, you know, the lights out, you know, well, maybe it was great in fucking 1982, but it's fucking (laughs) stupid now. I mean, it doesn't add any element. This was just Cody nodding to his old man. I mean, let's be
2: honest. Oh, absolutely, and and I think one of the things too that that hurts it, where we're in nineteen eighty two when it's just an arena or whatever, it's a lot easier to just do it and be like, oh, this is unofficial. But when you have a, a full on production like you know Fighter Fest was, yeah, and it's, it's like cool. this is it, this is the final thing, and then all right, here's a promo video, here's the music, here's our referees, here's lighting grids. Like I honestly, if you want to do it, I think you could pull it off a little bit better if you go, hey, look. The, the screen's getting turned off. The lights are getting turned off, and we're not playing music for these guys. And if they want to go out here and wrestle, that's fine. But we're not going to be a part of it. And, and I think that's a way to really, if you really want to drive it home, it's like it might be a shock to everyone's system to see, oh my god. But I would have turned off the Tron. I would have turned off the the lights. I would have not played any music. I maybe you keep Justin Roberts out there if he wants to say Joey Janela and John Moxley. But man, I I have the lights get dim. I basically just say, look, no, we're not going to give you production. You know, you're going to have to get your own referee or whatever. Maybe there's no referee. I, I don't know how you do it, but there's more ways to do it and just say this is a lights out match flick the lights and it's like alright cool here we go <laughs> and it's like Jelly Janelle comes out with his video and his music and all the lights and all the smoke and and Moxley got his, he has his pyro his, the fucking pyro it's a lights out match it's yeah. unsanctioned and he's got fucking pyro Like not don't do that Like if you want to call it that I think you could pull it off But you got to really invest in it. You have to say, okay, look, it is when we say lights out, like we're shutting everything off. You know, maybe, yeah, there's lights that are still going to be out in the arena. We don't want people to not be able to see the match, but man, we're not getting intro videos. We're not getting music. There's no fucking pyro. Are you out of your mind, pyro? Are you kidding me? Uh, the, you know, any sort of strobe lights, any sort of that, that's a shut off. And it's just like guys come out there to no music, they get in the ring, they fight. I'm fine with that.
0: Zero bells and whistles. A referee that is not wearing an AEW shirt. Um, you can even fake sign off. And then have the announcers a second later say, all right, well, if you'd like to you know, keep watching or whatever, we're going to talk you through this. No fucking – no stage lights on, no entrance music, a fucking indie geek in a T-shirt as the referee. Just count the fall. Absolutely. Then at least you are putting effort into it. Flicking the lights on and off, don't waste my time. It's a dopey stipulation, and it's dumb. As for the match, look, I thought it was awesome. You know, you got Joey Janella jumping off the top of a ladder through two tables on the floor. You got barbed wire all over the place. You got Moxley spitting out fucking thumbtacks that are accidentally falling into his mouth. It's everything I, that you want out of a crazy plunder match, you know, and you knew it would be with Janela involved. So um, I thought the match worked. I know there's some critique that they didn't really have a very long feud to kind of build to this kind of blow-off match. But listen, the promotion is two shows old. I mean, you got to cut them a little bit of a break there. If they're having... False count anywhere lights out matches three years into the promotion on a one show build. I think that's a valid critique, but you know, what do you want them to do? They've got to, you know, give you stuff on these shows that people want to see. And it's like you didn't have any time to really, you can't. They've had two shows, they had one show before this one, so I'm not going to get on them too hard for that. Um, you know, they cut their little promos on each other after double or nothing. That's good enough for me. And the match was, you know, a visual spectacle. So I enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not too into the criticism that like, oh my god, they didn't do enough to build this up because I think the idea is these two guys are just unhinged idiots and they would just probably do this regardless, like like that. And that's sort of what you want to address: that Moxley's just a fucking weirdo and and, and Janelle is a maniac too. So that like these idiots instead of just having a wrestling match, will just go out there and throw thumbtacks at each other and do all this sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I didn't really hate that all that much. I, I get the understanding, but this didn't feel to me like a. This is all you know. This is the final chapter of this feud. Is that we need to do a, a, a match where there's thumbtacks or whatever? I just felt it was like too. Fucking idiots just throwing thumbtacks at each other, and I, I think that's the thing that they want to address. And that's what I think they wanted to address from the road to, to Fighter Fest and all the all, all the build up to this match is that it wasn't necessarily a blood feud in the end of a feud, but just that that's how these guys apply their craft. Like this is what Chanela does, and this is what you know we've seen it from all the time with Chanela. From if you go back to All In, that's kind of his vibe, and and Moxie they're trying to establish that that's his vibe again too. Going back to the days of CCW and stuff and his deathmatch roots or whatever. So yeah, I'm fine with it. It it didn't really it didn't really affect me all that much, and it wasn't like it was a crazy insane death match. either. It was a little bit more of a brawl that just happened to have some weapons in it too, so I wasn't too uh, too worried about that, but I, I really it, liked it as well. It
0: speaks to the point I made earlier where they assume that the viewer knows what's going... You know what the build was for this match? The last fucking seven years when Joey Janela was the spiritual successor to John Moxley on the indie scene, right. that, that was the build to this. He replaced... He took Moxley's role as the fucking unhinged maniac who will jump through two panes of glass in the back of a flatbed truck and, you know, who will, you know, do anything. And that was the build. It was the guy that came before the next guy facing each other for the first time in a plunder match. So it's like, again, this had build. It just didn't have build within the confines of AEW. It had build within uh, the context of you being a big wrestling fan who knows who these guys are and and understands why they would want to wrestle each other. So there's that aspect to it too, but overall, we're, we got to get some other topics in, so we have to move on. I thought Fighter Fest as what do you want as their version of Class of the Champions or In Your House? I've heard it described. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, kind of In Your House. I think definitely the In Your House uh, vibe to it.
0: Whatever you wanted to say, I thought it was a hit. I thought they had another thumbs up show. I mean, they're two for two, and I got to be honest, coming off of these two shows, I know this is not reality and it's never going to happen, and I'm not suggesting that they should do it. There's a small part of me that wishes that AEW was a promotion that had these kind of shows every three, four, or five weeks and didn't have TV. Mm -hmm. Because this is so much fun every few weeks watching a show like this that you know is going to deliver. You got show-to-show storylines. And man, this this is working. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I'm afraid that the TV is going to fuck it up because I like what we're seeing from them. And I like that, like... Right when I'm hankering for more, the next show is coming. You know what I mean? It's like you get that. You're like, oh, wow. You get over the last one and you're like, oh, well, they got another one next week. This is great. So I don't know. What were your overall quickly, your overall blanket thought of the show?
2: I was definitely thumbs up. I think I enjoyed Double or Nothing a little bit more uh, as a total show, whereas this like on paper felt like it was going to be a little bit better, but I think it didn't maybe deliver to the high expectations that I had. But no, I mean, they're definitely two for two uh in my mind and I, I i'm with you too it's like i'm kind of worried about the tv like i'm actually like like i just i am so used to tv wrestling being bad because it's been bad for so long and, and and it feels like it's hard to really do good tv wrestling so i'm i'm really kind of nervous for the tv and i'm fine if they were just like you said like a super promotion that just showed up every few you know weeks with these jagged mega shows i'd be awesome i'd really love it but it's you know not obviously a very viable <laughs> business option so i see what they're gonna do but no i think uh ultimately between these two shows, two thumbs up shows, I, I, I slot double or nothing slightly above fighter fest, but, uh, this was definitely, uh, almost as good, but not, not maybe quite to the, the, the standards of double or nothing.
0: Enjoyable night of wrestling.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Easy watch.
0: Good transition to a show. We definitely didn't forget about ring of honor. Best in the world. 2019. Uh, rich was this an enjoyable night of wrestling? For
2: you? Uh, okay. Here's the thing. with the Best in the world. um, it was fine. Like I, and this is the thing that I have with the ring of honor shows. Now I sit down and I watch them and I get upset at some of the booking and I go, why are you doing that? Why are you doing? Oh, oh God, you idiots. What do you No, What? No, no, not, no, stop. What are you doing? But then ultimately like the matches are always fine. Like the matches are always good because they have a very talented roster and everybody goes out there and works pretty hard. And, and ultimately, yeah, you're going to have a few stinkers here and there, but it's not like anything's horrible on these shows. It's just not good, and I'm just not invested in it, and it feels lifeless. It just feels like this, this as a one-off show, you enjoy watching it, but when it's over, you're just kind of like, ah, like, what, what? what it, like, it was fine, but why did I watch that? Like, I don't know, it's, it, I don't feel like I wasted my time, but I also feel like I wasted my time. Does that make any sense? They're in such a weird spot, Ring of Honor, right now. I just, I get not the, the show was fine. But I also didn't like it. it's that's where they' that's where I'm at with them. it's it's they can both deliver but then also disappoint me at the same time.
0: yeah, I mean, I watched this show right before we we we, um, we slapped record on this show. so I didn't watch it in real time and I, I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it was, just based on the way people were reacting to it. but because bell to bell, it wasn't like a bad show at all. I think there were three matches I didn't like and one of those three matches like you really did like. So um, I think consensus wise there was maybe two bad matches on the whole show. That would be the women of honor match in the main event, right? I mean, everything else was pretty good. I personally didn't like Gresham Silas Young, but you did. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's like, yeah, there's something about ring of honor right now where even though all the matches were decent, and I didn't think there were any blowaway matches. To me, the best match was the six-man tag match because I thought it was just a really fun spot fest.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd agree, yeah.
0: And you know, I could I could see going you know notebook on that like a low four, you know, just for how fun it was. Um, and everything else was like between three and three and a half or three and three and a quarter. Everything else, um, you know, everything, you know, nothing was really terrible. But yeah, it's just the aura around the company. And the booking, and it's starting to reflect in business. They're about to have a disastrous house in Hammerstein. Um, it's just, you know, disastrous. They're, the next set of TV tapings, they've sold like. Less than a hundred tickets.
2: The last Chicago shot I know from people that were there live, just being like, Oh my God, this is a bloodbath. I mean, this is no, I mean, they, they, they went from, you know, nearly selling that place out. I mean, there was, there was a few years ago that Kenny Omega, Yoshihashi match. They announced that match. They announced that Kenny Omega was going to be there and they sold out the, the Odium, which was the old, Venue that ECW used to run in uh, the Chicago area. And this last one was like nobody in the stands. Nobody. I mean, it was basically floor and the floor went back about four or five rows. By the time I went there, the floor went back about thirteen rows, and the stands were filled too. So it was it was a bloodbath.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they've killed New York. They're killing Chicago. They are killing Milwaukee. Um, they're holding on for dear life in Baltimore and Toronto. Um, they're going to burn out Baltimore because they, you know, they're moving shows to Baltimore just because they could sell a few more tickets there, and they're going to overdo the market. Um, they're going to saturate the market. And it, it, it's, it's you know, they brought in all this new talent at the beginning of the year. And we praise them for at least bringing in Roosh and PCO and and, um, and PJ Black and, 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 um, and Bandito. And, you know, go right down the list. And they're like, okay, all right. Look, they're spending some money and they're trying, you know, with the loss of-
2: the Brody A- King, Brody King as well. Brody
0: King. And it's like they're pushing all of them to some extent. It's just the Roosh push is too slow. He's working the pre-show. We're six months in, seven months in, and he's still working the pre-show match. No excuse for that. Um, You know, it's like PCO and Brody King are in a six-man tag deal with Skrull and seem to be locked into that. Bandito had a chance to win a title, and he lost on this show. So it's like the pushes for these guys are, are, I mean, they're pushing them all to some degree, but it's just so slow, and it seems to only be to a certain level. And I do believe the goal – I do believe ultimately that Roosh is going to beat Taven for the title. I think, but who knows? <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but it's like um, – you know, in Cobb, and we'll get to him, and it's like I sat here and watched this show, and I didn't regret watching it. I didn't feel like I wasted it. Right.
2: Oh, no, no. Absolutely not.
0: And I saw some good wrestling, um, but – it's 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 like a it, it's beginning to be like a soulless environment, mm-hmm. and it really has the feel of like 1986 AWA, and I say that because AWA got fleeced of all their talent by Vince McMahon in '84 and '85, like really '83 through '85, yeah '84 and '85, and of course the big get was Hogan, of course, and in '86. The AWA roster was still pretty loaded and they were still doing okay business, but were clearly, you know, clearly business that was declined. And most people at the time knew what was coming, you know, and it's like the comparisons even run deeper. Like you could compare the elite in this analogy to Hogan, where Everyone knew when Ring of Honor lost the Elite, they were in big, big trouble. Rich, we talked about it for years. Everyone knew when Vern lost Hogan, he was in big, big trouble, right? But Vern counterattacked. He brought in Sergeant Slaughter, who had the dispute with Vince McMahon over the Hasbro thing. And Slaughter was the number two babyface behind Hogan in '85 when 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 when, the, when he left, you know, and 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 you know, and that looked like a good get. He brought in Jimmy Snuka, who had his problems with McMahon. It's like, it's very similar to this company, bringing in Roosh and Bandito and all these guys we just named, and Jeff Cobb. You know, AWA restocked upon with Sergeant Slaughter and Jimmy Snuka and, and, and Larry Zbysko later on. And, um, but we all, the writing was on the wall. And, 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 you know, it's almost like, I'm not even sure 1986 AWA is the best comparison to this point, because Ring of Honor, with the Dire ticket situation that they're in They might be more 87-88 AWA at this point
2: Yeah it may have accelerated past 86 By now And, it, and uh... it's
0: like, and, and you made a good point too It's like Matt Taven Is a lot like Late era AWA Larry Zabisco In that you have these two champions Who just It's like Zabisco was the AWA champ In the dying days And he had those horrible matches Where he would stall and, you oh, know, right. <laughs> yes. yeah, and he seemed like he was like over as a heel, but he really wasn't because nobody was buying tickets. Sounds a little familiar, right? It's right. Like, well,
2: his, his most valuable asset, which I'll get to it when I get to Taven, is the most valuable asset of Larry at that time, which feels like the most valuable asset of Taven at this time, is that he's not leaving. And that's right. bad.
0: <laughs> right. And, and and that's, the you know, why essentially why many people feel Taven is the champion, because he's a guy who's not going to leave. And. So there's a lot of similarities even between Taven and Zabisco. if you want to even take it further. Um, So it's just this company just reeks of the AWA right before they really took the fall. And, you know, it's like by all rights, Sergeant Slaughter should have been a bigger deal when he came in. But for whatever reason, he wasn't. Uh, Whether the way they pushed him or whatever the case. By all rights, Roosh and Bandito should be bigger deals. And for whatever reason, they're not. And, and you know, it's like Snooka and Slaughter should have made a difference. Those were huge stars, but they didn't. So, it, it, and it just, and, and the shows, the AWA shows in those days, they had good wrestling and were well-reviewed and similar to ROH shows having good wrestling and the wrestling being well-reviewed, but everyone knew what was coming. And it, you just feel like, They are on a really bad path. And the attendance and the business have really nosedived. And a show like this, in the preview I did behind the paywall, they really had an opportunity to shake things up and get people's attention. You could have had Cobb win. You could have had Bandito win. You could have um, done some creative things and gone in some new directions, especially when you're looking at what your ticket sales look like. And Rich, they did none of it. It was status quo booking up and down the card and that's you know they did nothing on this show that's going to excite people about the company no matter how many three and a quarter star matches they have nothing happened here that's going to work people up and get them to go to the ticket booth and that's I think our major problem with this show not so much the wrestling which was fine and to just be real wacky it's like Nick Bachwinkle in this analogy would be the Briscoes. How about that? <laughs> right. Like the guy the guy that's been there forever and We're he's always the comp- there. Yeah. Like that's the best comp I could come up with. And could you find two diametrically opposed uh, figures than Nick Bachwinkle
2: and and mark briscoe i'd love to uh, get them in the room together to see what that conversation would be like the nick bockwinkle <laughs> mark briscoe conversation would be uh yeah be a good one but...
0: and it's like tony khan would be vince mcmahon here because he took fucking the elite away the way vince took hulk hogan away right but um anyway i don't think and, we're and by the
2: one. way yes i am aware that nick bockwinkle and, and mark briscoe cannot have a conversation right now if they did it'd be a much bigger story but uh or oh, yeah. someone that's going to definitely be like, "Ah, oh, Dad, you knew that. Did you not know that? I, I know that. I just mean, in this hypothetical, them having a conversation would be funny. Anyway, move on.
0: <laughs> Rich, is, Rich is so shook by like, you tweets. know it.
2: Oh, you know he he's knows. so he's
0: shook dead. by like random tweets from fucking dummies that he always clarifies these things <laughs> I know, I to that. try to avoid getting them. It's funny. Um, we're not going to go match by match here, but um, I guess we have to address. Well, look. I gave you my favorite match on the show. What was your favorite match?
2: On the show? Uh, my favorite match, I believe, I, I like the six man. I think it's at a tie with Shane Taylor and Bandito. I really did like Shane Taylor and Bandito, and I think Shane Taylor's been doing the best work of his entire career. Uh, this year, he's had some really, really good matches. The stuff with Cobb has been great, and everything that he's really been doing this year is great. And I thought Bandito was pretty solid in that match, too. And I thought the blend of of, of Taylor being kind of the big man, Bandito being the flyer, and then them also sort of Taylor doing a little bit more of his, you know, showing that he does have some athleticism, too, I think was pretty fun uh, to see. So I'm right with those two. Uh, being neck and neck, and then also the pure rules match. I, I did enjoy a little bit Gresham and Silas Young because uh, I like that style of match a little bit more than you did, and I think that might be a good opportunity for you to kind of talk about it. But at the end of it, like I may have liked that match a little bit more, but I thought the finish was absolutely ridiculous with Jonathan Gresham cheating to beat Silas Young, uh, and the announcers just being like, "Well, Silas cheated before, so it's fine that Jonathan Gresham cheated," which you would think would be like a heel turn, but it was just definitely like, ah, yeah, well." Uh, he did that, so it's fair that Gresham does it. And it was just like, okay. <laughs> you're, you're, supposed to,
0: you're supposed to be like, well, Silas is getting his comeuppance.
2: Right, but... But no. the fans
0: didn't react that way. The no, fans the fans, fans
2: a- booed. He- the fans booed Gresham because he was an asshole and he cheated to win. Like, what are you doing? Why Man. would that make the fans go, yeah, like, you gotta really build a bad heel. Like, you gotta do Hulk... Because like Hulk Hogan style, he was a dickwad and he always would like cheat and do all this bullshit and and, and and be a complete asshole. But fans wanted to see him do that because he they really felt like he was giving earthquake has comeuppance or whatever. He was given the the macho king has comeuppance. You know what I mean? I don't think the fans went, oh, man, I can't wait till Gresham shows Silas Young after all these. It was just like, oh, Gresham, like, dude, you had him one and then you cheated like an asshole. Like, why'd you well, do that? So well, the,
0: the, the difference between Hulk Hogan being an asshole all the time <laughs> was the
2: difference between Hulk Hogan and Jonathan Gresham is.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the <laughs> right? but really, the difference was the whole story here was that Gresham finally got Young on his turf, right? With the pure match. And they cheated anyway. It's like he, the idea here was to prove that Silas Young could not beat Gresham in a fair fight. And then Gresham cheats and makes it an unfair fight. So, of course, the fans react negatively to it. So, yeah, poorly booked. That's part of the reason I didn't like the match. The other is I just thought the match was kind of boring for the, mo- for the majority of it. And I don't like the pure rules match. I never liked the idea of the pure rules match. Because I think it just shines a light. It's like basically what the pure rules match is, and always has been in ROH, is the match where you're telling your audience, okay, this is where the referee really enforces the rules. Those other matches, ah, you can walk all over our referees and do what you want. But now the ref is paying attention. And I just think it's silly. That's not to say there haven't been really good pure matches throughout it. There have been. There have been a bunch of great ones. But I just think the stipulation is dumb. I mean, now we're going to enforce the rules. The rest of the show.
2: Well, they're different rules. Now, see, here's where I disagree. I think the Pure, because they established that, okay, here are the. We're not going to. We're going to allow X amount of rope breaks. We're going to mount X amount of this. Like, it's just a little bit more of an emphasis on specific rules versus, hey, don't cheat and don't be an asshole and don't use weapons. Like, that's kind of your basic wrestling match is is don't cheat, break up the hold in the ropes and and, and don't use weapons. Whereas Pure has a little bit more of these restrictions that kind of make it. I, I see, like, the idea that, like, hey, like, Adding restrictions to a wrestling match is kind of weird, and it doesn't quite work. But but I like it because I think it, it lets people sort of work different styles. That's not to say that I loved every pure wrestling match. There were many that I went, oh my god, is this the drizzling shits? I hate this match so much. And there's some that I really liked. Guys that were good at those matches were really good at them. Guys that were bad at them were really really bad at them. So it it, it does. I see the variance. I see why you would either like or hate these. And because I was doing that in the heyday of Ring of Honor, there was pure matches that I fucking loved, and there were pure matches that I, I were some of my least favorite matches to ever watch live. So I get it.
0: It was really just a gimmick, so Nigel McGuinness can manipulate himself into wins. I mean, at at one point too. And here is the thing: it's like, oh, you are going to get warned for a closed fist and a pure. Why don't you warn everybody then in every match?
2: Oh, I agree. No, I don't disagree with that either. It's, 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 it's,
0: I don't know. Just all I I never loved the stip, and I thought the match was kind of boring. And and like you said, the finish was absurd. Um, We should also address this before we move on. Eli Drake was the mystery partner of Nick Aldis, replacing Colt Cabana, the injured Colt Cabana, and he announced that he has signed with, not Ring of Honor, which was (laughs) whose whose show this was. was Promoting this show, he. I think he not only said he signed with NWA. He buried Ring of Honor inadvertently when he said, "You know, all these promotions wanted Eli Drake, and all these (laughs) Eli
2: Drake
0: wanted Eli Drake." And Eli Drake is a man who does things his own way. So Eli Drake decided to turn down all of the And I'm expecting him to say Ring of Honor. I,
2: so too. I had a tweet ready and I was like, oh, wow, Eli Drake's a Ring of Honor. What a shit move. <laughs> like
0: and, then, and then on a Ring of Honor show, he goes, but Eli Drake decided to pick the best wrestling organization in the world, the NWA. And you're like, <laughs> no. What are we doing? How are you allowing that on your fucking paper?
2: I know. I don't know what this NWA stuff. Good on on Billy. Good on Dave Lagana to get Ring of Honor to basically let them have a, a produce match on every single show. But like, what? How is Ring of Honor getting any benefit from this? especially he, that he, like you were saying that was like so glaring because he's cutting this promo and i'm thinking and i didn't know the, the context i kind of was just jumped into the show at this point or whatever and i'm like oh eli drake signed up with ring of honor that's a little strange that's kind of weird and then he goes to the nwa i'm like what why are you cutting a promo saying all those other companies want me but i'm only signing with one company the nwa and it's ring of honor best in the world
0: yeah what are you doing he did everything short of calling joe Koff dummy <laughs> right
2: yeah Joe he Coff, didn't have the much. Dummy, yeah. Joe didn't give me the big bucks, but Eli Drake only goes for the company with history yeah. and the, the honor of the NWA.
0: <laughs> Delirious. Dummy. Yeah. Like that. He should have just buried them all. I yeah. Mean, oh, you know, so and then he I thought he looked great in a match. Like I thought he wrestled his ass off. Like that was that was top peak Eli Drake. In that tag against the Briscoes. I thought he That's was as, as good
2: as Slate Randall will ever be. Um, but <laughs> yes,
0: the best person in that match by he far. He was definitely
2: better than Nick Aldis, a hundred thousand percent. I would be if they, they swat Eli Drake out for Nick Aldis. I'd be a okay with that for sure.
0: NWA has the best arrangement of all time. They get to run their matches and their angles on someone else's dime you know it's incredible right
2: I, I don't get it <laughs> <laughs> like, like what benefit does anybody have good on them great guy great job out of those guys but like is it really that big of a deal the ring of honor to have this match on their show like great this is a telling you. point like what? <laughs> yeah, it's just bizarre i, I should as well. oh sorry if you do start hearing music in the background uh there is a uh, fourth of july festival going on across the street for me so um yeah. If you hear like random cover bands in the background, I, I try to. I'm trying to drown it out as much as I can, but uh, you may hear that. So just a little bit of a warning.
0: Yeah. They get to advance their storylines and angles on someone else's show without having the expense of running a show themselves.
2: <laughs> it's genius.
0: It is genius. It's brilliant.
2: Right. They get to do and all their YouTube million. content. They get to show up on the big shows, yes. promote their YouTube content, promote their, their, their brand, promote their wrestlers. And then they bounce. And then yeah.
0: You know. <laughs> at, Bill, at Billy, just a brilliant move here by at Billy, and uh, and is getting paid, like you know, so on top of everything else. So it's like this is just an incredible deal for the NWA. But um, yeah, just a a, 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 a well worked wrestling show with very little life and that drummed up zero excitement or, or buzz coming out mm-hmm. of. Is how I would sum up best in the world and a company. That is really on the brink. I mean, if they're not looking at their ticket sales and sitting in a room and coming up with ways to just do different shit to try to drum up some interest, I don't know what they're fucking thinking. Something has to be done. Um, The Matt Taven thing, it's very obvious that he's uh, an anti-draw. And whatever fans he has, and he does have his fans... It's just a tiny pocket of fans that aren't difference makers.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the victory lap on that one. By the way, because I think that was a yeah. disaster to give him the title on MSG. And as uh, well, you should it.
0: because it's 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 you look at the ticket sales and you know the Madison Square Taven people and the Kingdom fans and all that. They are very clearly a tiny minority of Ring of Honor fans, and I think Ring of Honor uh, may have taken that um, taken them as a much larger percentage of their fan base than they really are because the guy is not drawing.
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. And and the other thing too, we 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 were talking about a little bit with the, the Larry Sabisco thing and 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 the Taven is, and you can see from the ROH booking too, and it's 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 probably a bigger picture thing that we'll probably talk about in a few weeks when we don't have a bunch of other topics to get to in a, a kind of abbreviated show here. But I think the defeatist attitude towards ah this guy's going to leave anyway is, and we talked about it a bunch of times with the Marty Scroll. Why why what if the idea is that we have Marty Scroll for one year? Ah, he's going to leave in September. Ah, why would you give him the title now? To me, it was it was like. Old promoters were rolling in their fucking grave. You mean I have a guy, a star for a year, and I'm not going to do it? And it feels like this cop thing, too. Cop's been built up, and he just 10 minutes loses a match to Matt Taven after being built up for months and months and months and months.
0: Let's uh, let's be fair. I'm not stepping on your point because you're absolutely right. But this show ran over time, which is an indictment in itself. Well, okay, <laughs>
2: that's...
0: And, they, and they were forced to bury Cobb with the with the with the uh, with the ten minute loss because they fucked up the timing on the show. Well,
2: I'm still going to you... call him out for that then because that's still yeah. bad. <laughs> and, then, and, right.
0: and then as a consequence, Cobb ends up looking like a geek. But yeah, go ahead. You're absolutely... right. Well, and, and
2: two, like this is Cobb's first loss. I mean, this is a big loss for him, that's... no matter what, whether it's a ten minute match or a twenty minute match or whatever. This is his first big loss, and it felt. Ultimately, like, oh, he had a bunch of momentum and now it's kind of like, oh, all right, whatever, he's gone. And the defeat, the attitude again that I see from people is like, oh, yeah, he's probably going to leave anyway when he gets a chance. And it's like, hey, <laughs> don't give people an opportunity to leave. Make them fucking make it make this the place to work. Make people want to stay here. And if they don't stay there, whatever you, you, it happens. But build those guys up. And if they tell you, hey, I'm going I'm going elsewhere when my contract expires in September, then, you know, hey, I gave him my best shot. He's moving elsewhere. No problem. Okay, who's next up? That guy loses that guy. It's on 101, and somewhere along the line, Ring of Honor fucking lost that. And now the only thing that's important in Ring of Honor, the most valuable asset to anybody in Ring of Honor, is that you're not going to leave that company. And that is such defeatist and so awful. I mean, it processing promoters, like I said, are rolling in their grave with the idea, well, that guy we only have for six months, so why even bother? Ah, he's going to leave anyway. Who cares?
0: Here's the whole thing. How, how long have people been saying that Marty Skrull's leaving? And that's what been- I mean.
2: Like, that's why I told you after MSG, I remember I sent a text message to you after that show yeah. saying, are we sure he's not leaving in May? Because if he's still saying stuff, September, it was March. <laughs> That's yeah. a, a, a lifetime guy. Old school promoters would take six weeks with a guy and lick that their chops and go, things. "Oh hell yeah, here we go, baby." In the territories, you would get a guy for six weeks and you would <laughs> and make lick money your chops. With- Bill Watson would go, "Fuck yeah, six weeks of of X or whatever." Oh hell yeah, here we go. Here's what I have an ideas. We had six or seven months of Marty, and they went, "Ah, why even bother?" At this point, Jeff, I don't know when Cobb's done, but this feels like ah, what even bother with Jeff Cobb? Who cares? Like it, it, it's just it's so amazing and then you have like the allure and matt taven and 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 you know jay lethal and kenny kings and those are the type that are emerging because they're not going anywhere and that is i i just can't even comprehend that being the way that you book a guy like a roosh losing to to uh or, or dragon lee losing to to, to uh, you know dalton castle i didn't hate it because in story it makes sense but again it's like no why are you not pushing dragon lee are you fucking kidding like dragon lee should be at the top of the show bandito should be winning to do it like i just don't under- but all these guys are on quote-unquote leashes and it's just – I can't even comprehend it, the idea that you only have guys for X amount of months, 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 and you just decide, ah, why even bother?
0: Well, all these guys have been signed for at least a year. I know. They're cobs <laughs> and their ruches. And you know, that's more than enough time to do something and, and make money with them. And then, hey, and then if they're your world champion, maybe they resign with you because they're making a lot of money and they're being treated well and they're getting pushed. And all these guys have egos and they like being pushed. And, and like you're saying, maybe it ends up being the place to be. And then they're like telling their friends, hey,
2: come work with me at Ring of Honor. This is
0: awesome. We could have a program.
2: Right. None of but these guys no. are going to stay. Why, why in the hell would Dragon Lee say, oh, yeah, guys, this is a great place to go? Why would Jeff Cobb say, oh, no, uh, yeah, Ring of Honor is great. You guys got to go there. It's like, no. I mean,
0: it, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's a joke. And it, 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 it's incredible. And, and I think you nailed there in the right head. Like, old, old, in the old days, you'd get a guy and you knew you had him for two months and you'd work him up and, and, and you'd build him up for a big fucking main event. And you'd make money on him and then he would move on. And it's like, these guys, this company has guys for a year or two years. And, they, and it's it's the fans, too, who are, who always are telling us, oh, well, Skrull's leaving eventually. You can't push him. Yes, <laughs> you can. It's like, did you even pay attention to pro wrestling or, or any history? Like,
2: literally Skrull? the other 80 years of pro wrestling. Yes, you can push him if he is leaving at some point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: You could find a way to make money on someone if you have them for two weeks. I mean, do an angle week one and fucking do a big match week two. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's insane. And they're shooting themselves in the foot. And I think you're on to something. It's the guys they know aren't going anywhere. And and it's safe play for them. Mm-hmm. And, um,
2: yeah, it's not going well. Hey, Ticket sales are bad. Big, this summer's been bad.
0: <laughs> you know, the big flip Gordon turn. Oh, yeah. joining, join uh, uh, Villain Enterprises, I guess we got to mention that, too. Look, I like Flip. I mean, I know Flip takes a lot of heat, and and I'm really not sure why. I think he's a perfectly fine wrestler. I really don't have any issues with it's Flip. It's because
2: he's a dummy on Twitter, so people hate him. And he's a bad it's, wrestler because he's a dummy on Twitter. That's
0: he's, he's a dummy on Twitter. That is a contributing factor. Um, with some of your hard leftists, he's a troop. So of course that's a factor, um, and, and yeah, it's the flat Earth thing. It's like because he's you know he, he's, he's he, so he's perceived a lot of that has has something to do with it. Um, I, I really when people say he's a terrible wrestler, I really don't get it. I when I watch Flip Gordon, I don't feel like I'm watching a terrible wrestler. I mean, what am I not seeing that other people are seeing in his performances? So I think right. he's
2: I don't think he's but great, he, but I, no, I think I, he's yeah he's either, not bad
0: an acceptable pro wrestler who who does some cool shit now and then and i mean again i don't think he's like he's never making my fucking wrestler of the year list but i mean i you know he's not a guy i ever watch and i'm like oh my god this guy's a fucking disaster so i do think it's kind of like non-wrestling things bleeding into the criticisms but um we'll see how he does as a heel and um that's ring of honor best in the world as we move on to We'll wrap up the show with a couple New Japan topics. Southern Showdown, uh, you saw the main event. Well, not the main event. Everyone's calling it the main event. Uh, the main event was actually Tanahashi and Okada defeating Bad Luck Folly and Jay White in a two-star special. But the match that anyone's paying attention to, of course, is Willow Spray versus Robbie Eagles 4, uh, which was the semi-main event. And uh, you did watch that match, correct, Rich? I did, did yes. Yeah, yep. Um, I can tell you that you do not need to see the rest of the show. This was a uh, a nothing show. I mean, if you have free extra time and you want, like, it's not a terror. There were a couple matches that were no good, but you know, if you want to check out Slex versus Aaron Solo, knock yourself out. If you want to check out, you know, uh, Girls of Destiny versus Juice and Mikey Nichols, go for it. If you want to watch a two and three quarter star, perfectly fine match, but there's really nothing else here you need to see other than the match we're about to talk about. Uh, Osprey Eagles for me. Of their four matches, I would put it either third or fourth. Still a great match. I gave it four and a third. Um I think it it wasn't as good as their two. You're not going to call me out for that four and a third. I was that was a setup.
2: <laughs> no, you can right, you can all right. allow it. I'll allow it. It's fine. I know you got the fear, but I, I you you get more upset at it than I do. I, I think it's fine to have the little.
0: I listen. On. I think it was better than four and a quarter, but I can't go four and a half on it. So uh, yeah, that's fine.
2: I, I don't. I don't love it, but it's it, whatever.
0: It's I do okay. four and third once or twice a year. You know, there was a there was a you're, nice you're
2: starting to do it a little bit more though. Watch it. It's like it's similar to unprotected chair shots. It's it's a lot of diminishing returns. You gotta. Yeah.
0: You know. You know. It is. It, it,
2: it you don't wanna get it. Too, You don't want to be too much like Larry. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, our, our good friend Larry, who does his pluses and minuses or whatever.
0: Yeah, four star plus.
2: Oh, and by the way, not not to not to get off rails, but do you know that dude, ju- like. He just cashed because him and I had been talking shit about the Boston Celtics, New Jersey Nets, or Brooklyn Nets trade for oh, years and years yeah, yeah, and years. Yeah. He just DM'd me after Durant and I, uh, uh, Kyrie signed. It goes. Oh, I'm cashing in my chips on <laughs> like argument. I'm like, no, get out of oh, here. Come on, because <laughs> he's he's the next guy. And at that time, I was like, oh, dude, that's a bloodbath. Are you kidding? Like, why okay. did you guys do all that to get you know Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett? And I yeah. got why they did. And we would get an argument. I mean, this is like a seven year argument at this point. And I basically assumed that I had won it. And I basically told Larry, like, hey, yeah, yeah, look at it. He cashes the chips this year, <laughs> 2019, for that trade. Which you no, know, no, no,
0: Larry's full of shit. This The the dispute between you and Larry was the Garnett-Paul Pierce trade. Right. Okay, You won that in a bloodbath.
2: Yeah, by by 2013, I won that fucking trade.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was awful for the Nets. This is like a completely different era. There's not (laughs) not a single player left from that that played with Garnett who's still on the Nets. There isn't. There can't be. I mean, they've gone through um, several different eras since then. No, he cannot claim this. Okay,
2: good. Well, there you go. Yeah, because he, he slides in the DM saying, oh, I'm claiming victory on this. And yeah, I'm not.
0: No shot. No. Okay, there you go. All right, now go on. <laughs> um. So let spray Eagles. I'd have it as the third or fourth out of their uh, four matches that they've had. Um. The first half of this match was building up to be legitimately an all-time classic. I was watching this match for the first half and thinking, this is going to be one of the greatest matches of all time. And then the second half of the match, they kind of blew off the story of the first half and then moved into sort of the story of the, the, the Phantasmo, Eagles stuff. And it kind of became a different match in the second half. Still a great match, but they were on their way to a five-star match. And it ended up being more of a, a story match on the back end with ELP. And um, I still enjoyed the hell out of it. And Eagles on that tour... Um, the show hasn't, I think it was on the other show where he officially finally turned on ELP and bullet club. And as we all suspected, he has joined chaos. So, um, it's playing out as many of us thought it would. Robbie Eagles will be the chaos junior. Will Spray will presumably move up to heavyweight. Uh, rich, what did you think of Will Ospreay, Robbie Eagles?
2: I really, really liked it. I probably slotted a little bit behind some of their other ones. Like the, the, the I think the first one. I'm trying to remember now my rankings. I have to really okay. go back and watch them all. Like, what, what's kind of the definitive rankings?
0: I will tell you. The first two matches are the PWA matches. Um, to me, those two are, are the, two, the two best. I think
2: Which I like the cool. first one the most.
0: Whatever order you want to put them yeah, in. I like, whatever. Yeah, I like but the, both those ones like, for sure. I like the second one better. If you like the first one, that's fine. Really, to me, the debate is the Super Junior match and this match for third and fourth. Pretty similar where they both involved the ELP stuff toward the back end. The first half of this match was, oh man, where Osprey was working on Osprey's leg. And, yeah. And, and Osprey just went with the crowd and worked heel, which I thought was a total dichotomy of the stomping grounds match where Daniel Bryan was forced to work as a heel, even though the crowd wanted to cheer him. In this match, they went with it. Osprey worked heel because the crowd didn't want to like him. Eagles worked face. And then when El Fantasmo got involved, the Fantasmo became the heel of the match. And then the crowd was behind Will and Robbie. So it kind of switched at that point. It was just so much good stuff. But I can't call a match a match of the year contender or an all-time great match when it heavily involves the third outside party like that. So I like a match to be clean Mm -hmm. if I'm calling it you know, an all-timer or something. I,
2: like. I do think this is probably the best way to involve a third person though, because I to me it enhanced the match in a lot of ways because Robbie being able to tell this guy, no no, no get the hell out of here and 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 knocking him out of the ring and, and really setting him a part of the match and then just saying, okay, no, it's you and I and let's figure this out. I think was was a way to it, it did. I think it, it it did help it in the in the sense that like the best of the super juniors matches I really did love. I felt like that match, I think a little bit of a deterrent, the, the El Phantasmal stuff. Like it felt like it did affect the match. To me, negatively, not very, not like a match, not that match like sucked or like, oh, I hated it because he was in there. But this one, I think like you had the guy come in here, but it was like, Robbie pushing him away and Osprey being able to overcome both him and Robbie I think was was an important part of the story too. So I think it was actually I, to me it almost enhanced a little bit. I could I've done without it absolutely. But I think it was a way where it was it wasn't overbearing and it was done just enough to sort of tell the story they wanted to tell and then it made the last few minutes of the match even that much better once you know that Robbie Eagles is just basically told this guy, "Hey, I don't need your fucking help or I'm you know, get out of here. I'm going to do this on my own." I think was 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 a good and important way to to prove sort of the match itself and 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 prove that you know when he did lose that he lost on his own merit not because of any other reason so i think that was an important way to do it um as well but i thought yeah i mean I, a lot of it was good and i i loved uh, the commentary too did a great job of talking about Eagles being like really upset that Will Osprey you know sort of says hey I'm I'm going to put Australia on the map and it's like oh dude who the fuck are you to say you're going to put Australia on the map This is my area This is my country and my town You know so it was cool to see the crowd really rally behind Eagles and like you said Osprey then have to play heel the entire time of being this guy who sort of talks a big game about rising up from the ashes and 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 doing all this for Australia and like yeah we know that maybe in real life that is the case but for the you know Robbie Eagles to have some pride and say no 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 who are you to come to my country and say that you're going to Turn this country into, you know, the, the wrestling haven or whatever. This is my area. So I really like that idea that sort of the home court advantage for for Robbie Eagles. But no, really, really good stuff here. I'd probably slot it below the two PWA matches, but I think a little bit above the best of the Super Juniors. We're talking about a series of four great matches. And this one was spectacular. I went four and a, four and a quarter with this one.
0: All right, so that was Southern Showdown. We're still waiting. Is that other show going to pop up? On Dude,
2: I don't World? think so, man. I mean, I don't, I, I'll be honest. I don't think Southern Showdown. I found it via not uh, the cleanest of means because it is, I don't believe it's on New Japan World yet. They know uh, there was some delay uh, in getting it up fight. there. You, it on is on fight. fight, yeah. But you mentioned that there was um, an issue with one of the finishes, like what, the, the Rocky Romero match? The,
0: Fantas- the Fantasmo-Romero match, the, there was no fa- the finish. There was technical difficulties, and it, they, the finish just didn't air.
2: Okay, well, yeah, so as of this recording, we're recording this on Wednesday, obviously, uh, it is not up on New Japan World just yet, even though it's supposed to be up, uh, I believe, Sunday or, or Monday uh, at the latest, which me- lead- leads me to believe the Sydney show. I mean, if the Melbourne show still hasn't come up and they promised that that one was going to be up there, the G1 starting, like, I, I don't know, man, <laughs> I don't know if we're ever going to see the Sydney show. We're gonna have a new Holy Grail here with the uh, the Sydney New Japan Southern Showdown.
0: Well, I want to see the Sydney show because it's got the Ishii Hanari match.
2: Yeah, I know. I don't I maybe maybe that match will drop maybe a few matches will drop, but man, it's like it can't it, it won't be a priority in two days. And and right now the priority is probably getting that, that that other Southern showdown up and that's not even up as we're recording. So the wheel man is on that show. I wanna see. The I know, I know. There's some good stuff on that show. I don't know, man. We there was they were like very coy about if that one was ever gonna show up anyway in the first place. And now after all this, it's I don't know.
0: All right, so I guess the last topic, we'll spend a minute or two on this. We've got the G1 show coming up this Saturday. Uh, I will be in attendance. Half of the staff will be in attendance. Rich will not be in attendance. Uh, All of his vacations have caught up with him. He cannot talk (laughs) to us into jaunting off to Texas for, uh, for two days to watch Tanahashi Okada, the match that Rich personally was booking for America for the last three years. They finally book it, and he can't see it.
2: It's my gift. It's my gift to the world, so enjoy, everybody.
0: That's Rich's gift to the world. So we've got night one of the G1 this Saturday. And uh, the G1's about to kick off. Uh, so who do you got in Tanahashi Okada? Like, give me your winners of the five matches. Tanahashi Okada, what do you think you're going to do here on night one?
2: Okay, so I think I have Okada winning. Uh, I went back and kind of looked at the booking and 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 – I was actually kind of surprised, I forgot about this, that Tanahashi actually won the last match between those two guys. That was in uh, yeah. September, obviously, too. I kind of forgot about that match in, in some ways in terms of the, the, you know, the wins and losses or whatever. So I think Okada can very easily, like, if Okada was on a five-match streak, then I'd be like, ah, I could waver a little bit. But to me, it was, like, no doubter uh, that Okada comes out there, gets the big win on, on, on night one.
0: Yeah, I think Okada's going to win, too. Um, it wouldn't mean Tanahashi lost both of his big singles matches in America after losing in, in MSG, too. But... um but I don't think that matters. Yeah, I don't
2: think that matters anymore.
0: So, what about uh, Willow Spray versus Lance Archer? Do you agree with the general consensus, which I thought was a unique opinion of mine, but it seems like everyone seems to agree? Do you agree that Archer is getting the big hometown win, especially since uh, Will won the first one?
2: Yeah. So I do. I do think Archer is going to win, and I think it's kind of interesting in our G1 pick'em as as we're recording this right now in the exact moment. 50.1% of people have Lance Archer, 497 have Will Ospreay. It is right on the neck there. I'm sure there's a little bit there. Maybe somebody picked a draw or something like that. Really close there between those two guys. Uh, Archer slight favorite. Will Osprey just a little bit under him. Of course, that'll change as, as more pick uh picks come in. But uh, yeah, I thought again that we were kind of unique by saying, "Hey, Lance Archer is going to win this." But I think a lot of people either a listen to us or kind of thought about it a little bit of like, "Yeah, it's a good nod to Archer." And and two, like if you listen to the show last week, and, and this will be a point that we talk about, I think a lot during this this G one and a lot uh, in this show right here is I think a lot of people think Will Osprey is going to do a lot better than I think Will Osprey is going to do. And and this is a case where I think we'll really know what Will Osprey is going to be made of in this tournament because if. Archer puts him away, which I think he's going to do. It might sort of tell us in the future that, hey, look, Ospreay is a junior and this guy's a heavyweight, and that's going to matter for the rest of this tournament. You've
0: got Osprey at two points, and I think you're insane.
2: That's a little low. I admit that's a little low, but I don't. I Joe, I'm sorry. I'm going through these pickums right now. You got people
0: the wins aren't there. I I, got him
2: at ten. They got him at twelve. They got him at eight. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. He's he's he is a junior. Like he's he can't be just rifling through all the heavyweight division. Or like you said, and, and you talked about it last week. If he does do that, then he is a fucking star you know what I mean? Then that dude is going to win this IWGP title in the calendar year, of, you know, 2020 he's winning the title. But like, I don't think that quite yet. I think that they're going to kind of, to me, I think the story that they're going to probably play up. And the reason I have him only at a few wins is I, and, and two, you know, two points is I see him at, Sort of playing up that the best of the super juniors really warm out that Robbie that he's been doing this breakneck pace and doing this schedule that nobody can live through this, nobody can do what he's been doing and survive against heavyweights. And that's I think what you're gonna do. Maybe he plays up an injury, maybe does something like that. There's got to be a way to do it because the wins are just not there. And if they are there, then I have a really bad read on on, on what Will Ospreay is going to be in this next year. Like I think down the line he's going to be a star, but I mean, if he gets eight wins. Or if he gets, you know, eight points or whatever, or, or or twelve points like some people have met, then this guy's a fucking, as you said, a fucking star. Like this oh, guy's yeah. one of the biggest parts of the division. I Absolutely. think that's insane though. There's somewhere in between. In between my two and, and the twelve, there's somewhere that's a nice fine line.
0: Okay, does it does anything does does the Robbie Eagles turn change your mind at all? Because they're kind of setting into motion that plan a little quicker than maybe we thought.
2: Sure. Yeah. Osprey's out. He's going to move up to heavyweight. Robbie Eagles takes over the chaos junior. Yeah, I think so. But is the G one the time to do that? I, I don't know. Maybe that's something. The that you is is The, the, the,
0: the counter argument would be is the G one the perfect time to do that because all eyes are on him and everything. I think two is low. I do think he's losing the Archer. The thing about Archer is he might be in line for a singles push. Um, He's been loyal. He worked his ass off trying to sell tickets for this thing. He's doing nonstop media newspapers, podcasts, radio shows, selling tickets every weekend. Um, they, they, they've they established a new finisher for him with that claw slam. So it just makes sense. He gets the win back from the New Japan Cup. They, re- they establish his new finish. Uh, they establish him as a force. So I do think Archer is winning in Dallas. Then it becomes, where is Will getting all of these wins if you think he's getting 8 to 10 points? Because that's a match that appears winnable on paper, and then there's all big heavyweight stars in front mm. of him. So then it gets tricky, but we'll see. I, it, this is one of the hardest G1s to figure in terms of how guys like Will and Shingo and, and some others are going to do points-wise, even though I think, to me, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that Naito's winning the whole thing. Um, Kenta versus Kota Ibushi. Who do you like in that one? I think the winner <sighs> in that one is obvious.
2: Yeah, it's, it's Kota, I think.
0: See, You're- I think Kenta is a thousand percent winning that match. Like that is the match I would bet my life on that Kenta is beating kota Ibushi. And I'm gonna tell you why. They're they're not gonna they've got to establish that Kenta is a legitimate contender in the block.
2: I'm an idiot, I actually picked Kenta, sorry. <laughs> they they, they... I'm, done. I'm done. I'm sorry. I did pickanta. So.
0: And they're not gonna. You did pick Well
2: Yeah, I did. I, I'm an idiot. I, I I did this a little bit earlier. So still argue with me, despite the fact that yes, I agree with you.
0: Well, I can't argue with you
2: now. I'm, I'm, I'm you an idiot. I should have been quiet, but I just wanted uh, you know, for, for no, full transparency I... purposes, I did have to admit my mistake. So
0: I mean, it's his first match, and the company has to win. You know, it's like they can't have him go out there and eat an L right off right out of the bat. So yeah. That, anyway, I'm not gonna go on the long dive. <laughs> I mean, I think Kota Bushi has a fucking go-to-sleep waiting for him, and that's going to be that. I do want to read you this. Did you see this interview with Kenta?
2: I did. Yeah, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> I mean, he just – everything that we've been saying about the guy, he basically confirmed. You know? He says that um, – okay, he says about his WWE experience, it's hard to put into words, but it was a very tough five years. I got hurt, and beyond that, I was really grasping for something during that whole time. It's like, I came into the company to bring my style of wrestling worldwide, but what that actually became was bending and adapting to what the company wanted. That's important in a sense, but the strength and aggression that I bring to the table got lost. That's a real shame, end quote. Rich, what were we saying about him the entire time? The aggression was gone. It wasn't really Kenta. Then he went on to bury the agent's. One person there might tell you, do it this way. And then another would be, no, 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 do it like this. That meant my own personal vision just crumbled away. There are people who can do well in that environment, but I just couldn't. So the what's next question came up and I didn't ask anybody else what they thought. I just decided to focus on what I wanted to do. Otherwise, there's no point, end quote. He's all about the decision to go to New Japan. So you can see the backstage chicanery going on in that company where you're getting different thoughts from different people. It's confusing for the talent, and, um, you know, it's just an absolute mess. And then he went on to say, I want to get the quote about the go-to-sleep. Oh, here we go. Uh, not being able to use his finisher inside WWE, quote, it's not like I invented the dropkick or anything, but when it comes to a move that I did make, that was another thing that got to me about that. Yes.
2: God, I love this. God, I'm a, ready for him.
0: <laughs> a move I invented. I thought it up, and I'm not allowed to use it. Yeah, that's, fuck yeah. Hell that's yeah, crazy. Over here, well, nobody can say anything to stop me from hitting it. God,
2: yeah. I cannot wait. God, this guy rules.
0: So it's like he got it's, stripped it's, of all his moves. It's
2: everything like, oh, we said. I, I, I've never felt better like we nailed every fucking point like it feels like he's a flagship listener and he's just like yeah this is what people think so i'm just gonna go with it like joe everything the different people telling him different things The not being aggressive i'll be aggressive nah not quite sure and the go to sleep thing that we nailed it (laughs) it's unbelievable yeah
0: it's 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 these essentially are our quotes (laughs)
2: right that's what i mean i'm 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 convinced now that he's just playing this is what the people think so yeah i'll tell him that i want to do the go to sleep even though i didn't really care like (laughs) this is awesome
0: he also talked about how he was talking to shibata like the whole time and like plotting his exit right so it's like that's how it's like i kind of figured that which is why when he left i came on this show and said hey look people think he's going to noah i think new japan is the clear favorite you know, with the Shibata connection and everything else. And that's the way it played out. So I wanted to get those Kenta quotes in. And then the other two matches we've got, it's Zack Sabre Jr. versus, is it Evil or Sonata? It
2: is. Uh, it is. Sorry, I scrolled away. Now I got it back. It is Zack Sabre Jr. Sonata.
0: Right. And then um, it's Bad Luck Fale versus Evil.
2: Yes. So I, I have Sonata and Evil in both of those. But uh, those those I think are pretty open. I can see definitely Zack Sabre Jr. and our, our pick em. Folks have it pretty close as well. Uh, in Battle of Folly Evil, I have Evil, and, and a lot of people are steering towards Evil as well. So I would tend to agree with them.
0: Okay, so I will be at the show. I don't know when I'm going to get. I mean, you could kick open. You can kick off the. Uh,
2: yeah, maybe off. we'll talk about that. Let's see what what can happen. I don't know exactly when I'm going to be able to. I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to watch it exactly live, or I'd be, I'll, I'll probably watch it live. I don't know if I can record live, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, we can. We we'll, we'll get you guys something. Don't worry.
0: Yeah that that show that review, like I said, that might be a weird one, and it's not up right away. But maybe we could even do something right after the show while I'm driving. Who knows? We'll we'll we we'll, Rich and I will figure that out. But um you know we'll have the review up behind the paywall at some point and then of course we'll be on regular schedule once it starts up again
2: so all right before we go though do got to do this gun to your head yeah a block winner
0: um i think i'm i'm going to go with the safe play and say they do abushi naito again
2: okay i'm right with you as well abushi naito G1 climax champion who is it
0: yeah, boring picks. Naito. Naito's yeah, winning.
2: me too. Damn it. <laughs> I kind of agree. Uh, just kind of chime in real quick. And, and there'll be an article up at voiceofrestling.com as well about this, uh, some of the stats uh, from the pick Because they're always like kind of diving in and seeing you know what, what people are predicting and what they're saying and sort of get an idea. I like to do it as close as humanly possible because I don't want to influence any picks here. But um, there's some fun stuff. A- too many goddamn draws, guys. Guys, and nobody draws. Like, like there's one or two a year tops, but everybody, man, every match has got like some draws in it. Like people got like Lance Archer, bad luck, folly matches, drawing. Like they're not going to draw bad luck, folly, Lance Archer. Yet. But regardless, uh, A block winner, overwhelming uh, pick, sixty four point six percent have Kotabushi right now. Uh, a block runner up, overwhelmingly uh, Okada at fifty eight point four. Uh, B block winner again, Naito seventy three point four. Ah, uh, next closest is Jay White at twenty point three. I should say the next closest uh, in the A block is uh, Tanahashi and Will Osprey, who are both tied for eight point six uh, percent right now. But uh, yeah, runaway minute, winners for both of those.
0: no, people are picking Will Osprey to win. The I'm block. telling
2: you, dude, dude. I'm telling you, you. It's the Shibata thing all over again. It's the Kodabushi thing from four or five years ago again. Like I'm telling you, Joe. Yeah. I'm going to do that stat piece. I'm going to say people. You're. You're. I, I. I'm fine with it. Be excited about Will Osprey but reel it in, guys. He's not winning the block. He's not winning 14 yeah. matches. You know, he's Good not job. getting 14 points. Like, get out, and there are people that have him almost perfect. There's some people that have him winning more than Naito does, and I'm like, no, get out of here. There's no way. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, huge upsets left and right, too. And hey, if they do it, then yeah, he's a fucking megastar, but yeah, I don't think it. Uh, and as far as G1 Climax Champion, Naito, 53.2% have him overwhelming, but uh Kodobushi's right there at 32.5%, uh, also 5.3%. Uh, have Jay White as a potential winner as well. There's also think, 10 people, think, Joe. 10 people yeah. think Will Ospreay is winning this whole thing.
0: Oh, my God. Well, you know what? I don't know what's more absurd. Those 10 people, or only 53% pick at Naito. That's low. I, I don't that
2: that could be That could be a little bet thing here that's a little let's try to win some prizes type you know thing. what
0: you're absolutely right you, you, you're dead on you know because if you want it it's like it's like picking Duke
2: in the NCAA right everyone's gonna pick Duke and everyone's gonna pick Kentucky I'm gonna pick Loyal of Chicago and see what happens right you know, and, and if it pays off, it pays off. Usually it doesn't, but no one's ever gonna if you so if you pick Will Osprey and Will Osprey wins, no one you know, or you pick Will Osprey and Will Osprey doesn't win, you're just gonna say, Oh yeah, well it was shot in the dark or whatever. But man, if Will Ospreay wins that thing, do you not think those ten people are gonna be the loudest people in the world telling you I told you Will Ospreay was gonna win? I told you like that's way People always, Oh yeah, I knew Loyola, yeah, they have good defense or whatever. Like, get the hell out of here. You didn't know anything. You just picked because you thought it'd be fun uh to right. pick an upset. But uh uh, you got that. So anyway, yeah, there'll be a piece up uh, right now. Uh, anybody that is listening, you have it until the G one Dallas show to get your pick em, uh, picks in voice, slash G one, pick them voice, slash G one, pick You have it until the opening bell of the Dallas show. Don't send me shit afterwards. Don't send me shit five minutes after the show and say, Oh, I didn't watch the show. I promise. And then all I have is the right picks. Like don't do it next week. Don't do it in five weeks before the opening bell of the entire show. If, that Pick'Em isn't in, I am deleting it, and it is not coming in. So, just letting you know that voiceofwrestling.com slash G1 Pick'Em. Uh, we're not doing that, but some great prizes I should mention as well. First place uh, is going to win a free copy of Parisu Travel uh, Vacation in Japan uh, by Craig Mann, uh, as well as a collection of Vinto, uh, vintage Pearl magazines from uh, miracle.com as well. Uh, second place is going to win a free Switchblade J-White Iron-On patch from Cheap Shot Party and Angry Lemonade. Uh, also, I should say Cheap Shot Party is offering uh, all P- uh, Pick'Em participants uh, 10% off. All you got to do is use Use promo code G1CLIMAX at their website. That's cheap shot party as well. And uh, last but not least, uh, third place is going to win 10, 10, Joe, 10 free Inspire Pro Wrestling Blu-ray DVDs. And we've talked about Inspire Pro Wrestling many times on this show. Uh, Big Biss, who has been a, a former guest on the show, uh, Inspire is a great promotion outside of Texas. You are going to get, or in Texas, I should say, uh, you're going to get 10 free Inspire Pro Wrestling Blu-rays for coming in third place. That's not a bad gig for third place whatsoever. Uh, oh, why that. is that?
0: Why is that the third place prize? Uh, hey,
2: man, it, I, I just thought because it wasn't directly New Japan related that maybe, but that's a right. hell of a prize. I so, I had a few people say, "Oh, man, I'm kind of strategically going for third, if possible." That's not taking anything away from the Chief Shot Party, Angry Lemonade, or the or, or, or you know the Violent Miracle stuff. but man ten Blu-rays from from a, a company like Inspire for Wrestling—that's good stuff there. So, uh, really good prizes there, and it's obviously free to enter. Uh, Voice Wrestling slash G1 them and Joe, man, have a hell of a time in Dallas. I am. Very, very jealous, uh partially angry, but that's gonna be an incredible show and incredible atmosphere, and I'm I'm sure you cannot wait.
0: Yeah, man. I don't know if it's even sunk in yet. Tanahashi versus Okada. <laughs> I know, man. man. It's like seeing like Masawa versus Kobashi. You know, it's it's or, you know, it's 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 yeah, it hasn't
2: really and, and then Kenta Obushi. That's what I mean. Like the next match is like and that's the thing that's the one that gets me gets me the most mad. I talked about it a few weeks ago. it sucks. It sucks that I'm missing Tanahashi and no Okada. I've seen him in the ring together. I've seen him do some stuff. The idea that Kota fucking Abushi and Kenta are going to open the G1, the opening round of the G1 Climax is going to have those two dudes and Kenta's return to relevancy and Kota Abushi's you know, potential journey. To, God damn it. I'm really jealous about that. Now I'm angry. Now I'm angry. It has sunk in and now I'm angry. So God damn it. It's all right. It's fine.
0: How about randomly seeing Lindeman and T-Hawk at Caldwell,
2: Texas the next day? <laughs> that is pretty interesting. That is awesome. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> that one not so much, just because it's so weird. But uh I'm a little jealous too. That is pretty cool. But yeah, the uh Texas, your your little neck of the woods is the center of the Pro Wrestling Universe this weekend. So uh it's gonna be a fun one. But obviously, yeah, we'll have coverage up at voiceswrestling.com throughout the uh the weekend at voices wrestling on Twitter, uh the Patreon, Patreon.com slash voices of wrestling or voices wrestling.com slash patreon, uh, whichever way you want. We will have content up there. Again, we'll try to figure out about that opening night of the G1 climax for the reviews. Might be a little weird, but uh once we get rolling there, you're gonna get every single night almost immediately after. So Uh, good stuff on uh, on that. So a good time to subscribe as well, voicewrestling.com slash Patreon. Anyway, we got to get out of here. I got a festival going on across the street with fireworks about to start. So uh, not that I care about the fireworks, but my dog's uh, not really fans of them. Uh, Really like to bark a lot during them as well. So anyway, uh, we will take off on this week and we'll see you next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.